make me feel so young You make me feel like spring has sprung Like the way he's speaking His confidence is peaking Don't like his baggy jeans But I'ma like what's underneath him and Love is a Julia, I'm Redhead Gleek on Tumblr. Hi guys, welcome. Tested. Thank so, you. Uh, this is um, one of my favorite episodes. and uh, Mine too. Yeah. Mine too. It oh, always- I love this episode so much. <laughs> it always gets dissected so much. So I think it's going to be really cool because I do think we have, you know, like fans of everybody here. Plus, we have an awesome and Sam and Mercedes thing to talk about on top of the clean stuff. So, mm-hmm. awesome. Definitely. Right. Yes. That's why it's one of my favorites. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Cool. Okay. So, we open up this episode um, with a kind of old school 1940s PSA. And it's kind of out of nowhere and has no context, but is kind of amazing. That's Something true. I All noticed. kinds of brilliant. <laughs> Something I noticed when I watched it today is that the doctor and it is the same doctor that talks to Artie later. And I thought that was pretty funny. Mm-hmm. I didn't even catch that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Um, I don't know. Do you guys think this is just supposed to be one of those random fantasy sequences, or do you think like maybe they this is what they did after they found out Artie had chlamydia and did a little <laughs> old school? No, I, don't I think it's just about it. Honestly, because, I mean, I feel like if they wanted to go with a more modern approach, they probably would have done, like, a PSA for, like, prep or something. (laughs) I can't really imagine, like, I can't figure out where this, like, lies. Like, if it's a fantasy, whose fantasy is it? And is it, like, a project for arty school? Like, I don't get it. I don't think it's a fantasy. I honestly think it's just a funny thing that they did. Because, uh, again, I agreeing with you, Kay, whose fantasy would it be? I think it's just, here, we're setting up what's going to happen in this episode. Also, don't have unprotected sex, kids. Yeah. It's like saying someone's getting an STD in this episode. Mm-hmm. Just FYI. Mm-hmm. 
Which, you know, the episode's title of Tested kind of leads you into believing that that might be what's going on, too. So Exactly. And yeah. I don't know if you guys remember some of the, um, you know, when people start trying to guess who's going to do what. And it was like, Blaine cheated. He's totally the one who's got, like, scabies or something. And I was like, <laughs> probably not, but okay. Right. <laughs> no, I, like, I knew it was going to be Artie from the very beginning. Yeah, I I was, was, he be has it. showed us his color since season one, episode one, really. <laughs> I figured if it was going to be, if it was going to be anyone, I was like, it could be Sam, because A, Sam lost his virginity when he was a teenage stripper, and then B, he dated Brittany, who in season one thought protection was a burglar alarm. Very true. And we don't know when's the last time she got any type of medical or professional attention. Well, if you think about it, he is the one that instigates all of it. The story's about Artie, but he's the one that's like, oh, I gotta get tested. So That's true. Um, I guess I don't have anything like really profound other than I think it is a really funny like a little piece of video to right. you know it, I thought it was hilarious yeah I and I loved how everybody was so like into their character as well you know exactly. you had Blaine with his you know they said something about being a debunar um homosexual and he gets that semi-proud but what does that mean kind of look and Kurt had the wide-eyed nodding at everything and Artie was like what is going on I can't believe I'm here and Sam was just going with the flow it was it was perfect it was so quiz essential glee and I loved every moment of it I'm getting back into my glee headspace because I've been away for a while so I have to get back into the headspace of like it, not everything means anything. Yeah. <laughs> right. That is yeah. true. Right. Been so out of practice with regards to like look talking about Glee in this way that I like forgot that like other shows something happens and it's like going to be followed up on eventually. Yeah. Glee and on Glee, that's <laughs> not what's going to happen. It could be, but there's no guarantee that anything will happen <laughs> ever about this. <laughs> Yeah, I think one of my favorite little bits, though, is then when they're all getting, like, tested, or they're, they're getting, I don't know if they're what they're getting handed, but um, Artie goes up to reach something. Beaker or something. It's real weird. Like, what are they supposed to fill with that? Well, I don't know why, but I like Artie's old tiny wheelchair. <laughs> it's the yeah. t- it's the little touches. Do you guys remember when they were filming this, though? And we were yeah. like, what are they doing? Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, you know and I don't. I was, you know, um, spoiler free for oh, pretty much good. all of season four and five. So by the time the episode played, none of that behind the scenes stuff it was really circulating on my dash. So I don't remember that. Oh, oh I would yeah. try so hard, and I could never make it. I would get like a week before the episode aired, and I'd be like, I gotta know everything. I gotta know everything. I don't know anything about that life. Yeah, (laughs) I was um, the funny thing about this episode is that I was actually in New York for it and I was spending some time with a friend of mine and I was I they like didn't have cable 
So he's like, I gotta go to work. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna stay at your apartment. And then, like, I literally had this, I didn't even have a smartphone at this point. I had, like, one of these flip phones that you could get on the internet, but it was just really bad. And, oh my god, it was just, like, I'm just, like, sitting there and then, like, his boyfriend came home and was like, what are you doing? I'm like, nothing. I'm just reading. I'm just reading. You have a nice night. And he's like, you're in New York. Don't you want to go out? I'm like, no, I'm fine. Like, it was really, I'm pretty sure they thought I was really weird, but, yeah. Anyway, Hilarious. it was a good old thing. Oh, I know. I remember because there's a there was I I wish I was spoiler free because there was even talk like are Kurt and Blaine gonna break up in this episode because every episode for the New York arc was like are they gonna break up and yeah every episode and I got okay. I was so done with that so true story. I used to be part of this like I don't want to call it click because I hate that word but like this group of Blaine stands. We were just very much into what we call blame dependence. We just wanted Blaine to be happy. And I was probably the only one in the group that still really shipped Kurt with Blaine, even though I multi-shipped the crap out of Blaine. Um, and at the, when the preview for this air, and they're like, they're giving Blaine an eating disorder. And, oh, my God, I'm so... And one of them said she was triggered and then, like, triggered her eating disorder and then the episode aired, and I was like, I freaking love this. And do you know that a couple of them got so mad at me and literally, like, stopped talking to me and unfollowed me because oh. I liked the episode? And oh. I was like, what? This episode is amazing. Yeah. It really is. And with any Glee episode, you have to take... How do I want to say this? You, there's going to be problematic as- aspects. You just have to accept that, know they're problematic, mm-hmm. and then just be like, okay, let's talk about them. But it doesn't negate the good things they do, too. And I can't think of any current or yeah. any show that I watch that doesn't have a problematic. Exactly. I think Brooklyn Nine-Nine might be the closest. <laughs> it's definitely the least problematic. I mean, I could still talk about the problematic things that they do, especially at the beginning. But that's yeah. that's just the way that shows are. That's how that's, that's entertainment. The way people are. Exactly. It's literally light, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So let's jump in and, and um, since we've already kind of opened that can of worms, because um, the next what we open up actually with uh, is Blaine going out and enjoying New York and eating at every possible. Um, Fast, not fast food, a local restaurant that he could possibly find. Which Let is, me tell do you, you blame how, him? <laughs> not Let at me all. Tell you how much I relate to Blaine, okay? Go for it. I just got a car for the first time in forever. And the first thing I did for like the first two weeks I had a car was like eat. So I was like, I don't have to take a train or a bus or walk 5,000 blocks to get to like the yummy food. So I was like, I'm going to go over here and have some of that. I'm going to go over here and have some of that. I'm going to go through this drive through and have some of that. I want some french fries. I'm going to, like, literally put on pants and go get french fries because I can't. So mm-hmm. me and Blaine are very much the same. The only thing that I can't agree with him on is he's going through all the different cuisines. And he's like, and Mexican food. And I'm like, let me tell you something, Blaine. New York may be L.A. in everything, but it's not eating L.A. in Mexican food. We no. do Mexico. <laughs> I remember Darren said something about the, all of this, and he said he spit most of that food out. And I'm like, Darren, come on, man. That is delicious cuisine. you got to eat it and delicious. Yeah, but if it's all on the same day, I mean. No, like, I know. Like, I would have gotten. I think most actors do. Yeah. I, 
Yeah, I'm mostly kidding, but I was like, yeah. that looks so good. Yeah. Especially like, the what? hero that he eats. Oh my gosh. Oh my god. That oh, that. Oh. Can we talk yes. about the fact that the Uruguay knows Blaine and that I'm sure every day, yeah, he's already a regular at that little shop. And I mean, you know, when you're in New York, you kind of get that way anyway with like whoever you go to, like whatever coffee shop you go to every day. But like, I can just see Blaine going out of his way to like be friends with whatever shopkeeper. Oh yeah, I mean, he knows he knows all of that man's children's names, their birthdays. Right? Like Blaine knows everything. This well, yeah. he also suggested yeah. later in the episode that he was having a really hard time adjusting to New York. So I can really see him like going to these restaurants and finding somebody who's interested in him and he's interested in talking to them and learning as much about them as possible and trying to get that sense of normalcy yeah. again. Mm-hmm. Especially if New York is anything like, you know, those TV shows where everyone's like, I'm walking over here and like no one is like chatty or like you know you try to make small talk with someone on the train and they're like the fuck away from yeah, you. Yeah, New York. So <laughs> Blaine being an extrovert in the way that I'm an extrovert, I could see that like he's you know he wants that kind of normalcy where he can just like chat someone up mm-hmm. and not also, get like rebuffed. It's also a form of validation too. Yeah, you know can what I mean. Talk? Like it's a yeah. Sorry, I keep interrupting you. I'm sorry. No, no, no. It's okay. I was going to say the way he shoved that cronut in his mouth <sighs> kind of triggers my gag reflex a little. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't Mostly, honestly I'm just watch like, that. How do you taste it? Like, you can't taste it if you're shoving it all in your mouth. Like, well, they did that for comedy. It. Yeah. yeah, they totally, this totally dates the episode because when's the last time you saw a cronut? Well, to be I fair, never, I've never seen one, so. Ever. <laughs> Oh, oh my gosh. Well, the, believe it or not, when this aired, cronuts are so popular that even like the Vons, which I guess would be Kroger for you guys, have them in like their bakery. You know, like you go in the grocery store and they have like their bakery where you can get like a birthday cake and like, you know, maybe like some cinnamon rolls or something. My grocery stores started carrying cronuts, but they called them oh, yeah. uh, donut croissants or what they called them something weird because I guess cronut was copywritten. Hmm. Huh. Yeah, we had them. They, they never came to the Northwest, so we had them in St. Louis. We had a little. Most of like the little bakeries had carried them, but also um, here it's called Shop and Save. Shop and Save the bakery there had them. I can't honestly yeah. say I'm not a donut person, so I would have never gone looking out for them in the first place. So yeah, I'm very much a donut person. Oh, I could. I'm trying could to kill some up. donuts. I'm trying to do keto, and it's like so hard. Oh. Such like a sweet tooth, like pastry person, and ugh, no bread, no pastries. It's like, oh my god, pulling my hair out. Um. So one thing I did want to mention though is that also Blaine's probably going out to these places by himself. I think this is one of their yes. You know, like, stipulations where Kurt's like, okay, I'm going to go to class. You are going to go find yourself in New York. And whereas Kurt would have been fine. Um, walking that up and down. Probably, that was probably Kurt's favorite part of moving to New York. Like, I could very much see Kurt very much loving, you know, that when he got to New York and Rachel's off doing whatever she's doing with Brody mm-hmm. and Kurt. Because he said he used to sit in the park and watch drug deals. Like, yeah. I get the feeling that, like, exploring New York and going to these places by himself and just having, like, his phone or, like, a Vogue magazine being, like, this well, big, like, something that just, like, really, like, made him happy and being like this big thing because for him 
it meant like he's finally there. You know, he's finally in New York. He's independent. He's like living the dream. Whereas Blaine is just built differently. So for yeah. Blaine, it would be more, he would want to explore those things with Kurt or with Sam because he would get more enjoyment out of them if he could share it versus doing it alone. Right. Well, and that's the difference in their personalities because Kurt is more introverted and Blaine is more extroverted. So, exactly. you know, mm-hmm. whereas, and sometimes I feel like some of the issues that they have is they want the other one to be more like the way they are. They both exactly. do this a lot where mm-hmm. they will like, I want you to enjoy this the way I enjoy this, but they don't enjoy the same things the same way. So exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, Kurt if you showed that flashback with, or that scene with Kurt going out and enjoying all that food, all of us would have been saying, oh, yeah, that is so Kurt. Seeing Blaine completely alone eating all, all of the food made you feel like, wow, there's something wrong right. here, even before they actually describe that later in the episode. Well, yeah, and I feel like in some ways there could be some growth for Blaine for doing that alone, but I mm-hmm. feel like it would depend on the situation. Like, do you, I don't know if you guys ever watched Felicity. Mm-hmm. I, I, no, like, yeah, a long time ago. ago. I remember back in season one, it's one of the, like, I remember this scene being, like, a huge thing for me because I had just graduated high school and I wasn't used to doing things, like, by myself. And there's a scene where she's talking to her mom and she says that she, like, went to dinner and she was eating by herself. And when she realized that she was eating dinner by herself, suddenly it became the best meal she'd ever had because it wasn't something that she'd ever really done. And I wanted to see a moment like that for Blaine. But in this case, it's really just showing that something was off and it wasn't like him trying to get independence. It was really just a sign that he was lonely. Yeah. Um, so after the cronut scene, which yeah, I can't I can't watch that scene because he just like stuffs everything in his mouth. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it grosses me out. Oh, Darren. <laughs> Um, He's got no gag reflex. Anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> gonna step over that one. Um, <laughs> that's only because RB's not here. Oh, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, um, so when they get into this whole loft scene, Blaine makes the comment that he is still cooking breakfast for Kurt every Sunday morning. And we brought this up a little bit in New York that even though Blaine moves out, they're still probably spending most of their nights together. Yeah, I would yeah. guess that's probably true. I'm not entirely sure because I think that's part of the implication of him eating alone in the previous ones is that I'm not sure how much time they are actually spending together. Well, that's true. I and would this count. I would counter that with, I think they're spending a lot of time together, but I don't think that time that is being spent together is quote-unquote quality. I think that mm. they're, like, sleeping next to each other, but they're not being intimate, as Kurt later says. I think that they're sitting stuck. in too much... That, you know, like, they're stuck in, like, this, we're next to each other, but we're not together. They're studying next to each other. Yeah. They're, yeah, and yeah. I, was, I was seeing them more as, you know, we see each other in class, in our combat classes or whichever ones, and, you know, we pass by each other and give ours, give each other a quick kiss hello and goodbye, and then, you know, at the end of the day, Kurt goes one place and Blaine goes another place, and then we have these weekends together, which Blaine tries to make as special as possible. Mm-hmm. 
by making yeah. breakfast every morning for Kurt, and it's supposed to be breakfast in bed, but Kurt isn't in bed anymore, and so, you know, I just had this feeling that it was much less time together than what Blaine would want. I also think and, that they're spending a lot of time as a group instead of mm-hmm. the two of them. And this is mm-hmm. the episode right after Bash, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then there's all of that baggage on top of it. Yeah, I was going to say, no. kind of, with Kurt, I mean, as much as we love, you know, seeing Kurt in his little undies, um... It and we a, love seeing Kurt in his little undies. Oh, yes. <laughs> Shout out to Snarky. We went from, like, seven, like, of, like, all these years of, like, we're never going to, Chris is going to have clothes literally from, like, <laughs> his chin down to, like, the end of his toes. And we'd be lucky if we see his arms to, like, five, to, like, ankle porn, you know? Like, <laughs> where he's, like, in, like, his tidy little, like, briefs. And I was like, where the hell did this come from? Those tiny little short briefs. Those aren't even real briefs. Those are like little bitty briefs. They're almost <laughs> tiny whitey. They really are. tiny briefs. And they're skin tight. And I would have taken a big bite of that Corona tube line. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the other. Okay, He's so got to channel his frustration somehow. <laughs> a couple right. other things, though. One, this is a kind of extreme reaction to Bash. Kurt is getting. I mean, because Kurt used to be the one who was getting cheesecake and pizza and whatever. And now he's gone extreme the other way because he wants to be in shape. And I mean, he does say that, you know, his outside is caught up to his inside later on in the. But it is partly a reaction to what happened to him in Bash. Yeah. Where he felt uncontro- out of control. Right. And I've always found Kurt to be someone who clung to, con- who like would cling to control wherever you could find it. So I feel like something like that, that could happen that was so out of his control that he's definitely gonna try to control mm-hmm. something. And what can you control more than anything unless you're me and you have IBS? your body yeah Yeah. i remember Mm -hmm. um i'm gonna plug one of my own stories and my own writing here just for a second um one of my (laughs) i do it all the time don't (laughs) one of my favorite lines that i ever wrote was when the two of them were having this argument and blaine is like when you find yourself in places where you can't control things you turn around and go crazy over things that you can control and like that is such a quintessential kurt thing to me He's always been like the muncher and, oh, let me have a sweet and a savory and I'm going to have all these snacks and it's going to be great. And I remember after the show aired and everybody was like, that is so out of character for Kurt. I don't see that. And I'm like, you're missing the broader point. The point is, is he's using food. He's controlling things with food. It's the Mm. same. It's the same thing they're both doing it but they're doing it in different ways both doing it yes yeah exactly and i want to point out blaine is somebody and we'll get into more of this when we talk about kind of more of their issues um blaine is somebody who wants to control a lot too and because the dynamic i mean like he's always felt like he's been in control of the relationship in in some respects and then the breakup happened and then he's felt out of control for so long that when he gets into it again he wants to be the one leading the way and he's not and that is also a very hard thing mm-hmm. very much so i also think with the you know hope you know kurt's uh, you know doing his thing and Blaine takes a bite of that cronut, I do think that's also another indicator, like, they're not being intimate either, because, you know, mm-hmm. Blaine... He needs to shove something in his mouth. Yeah. 
<laughs> left it wide <laughs> open. <laughs> right there. I, I had no. I had to. No, well, you did have to. It was there. Blaine initiated that. Kurt probably would have been like. I think one of the things with Kurt and. I wish there'd been a little bit more of um, Kurt's point of view in this episode, but like Kurt's kind of sexually frustrated during this whole episode. Like, so. Yeah. Like, I don't think he got out of bed to do those push-ups for no reason at all. Yeah. Yeah. I think Mm -hmm. he got out of bed and was doing that because he, he was trying to initiate something. Right. They do. Oh, my, my poor, poor, Sweet, inexperienced babies. <laughs> <laughs> Would you just talk? Exactly. About it. Oh my god! Like, I mean, someone should lock you in an elevator. Oh wait, no, that didn't work either. Actually, kind of. Anyway, okay. So, kind of moving on from Blaine. Um, wait a minute, though. Doesn't isn't this the then he tries to, t- to try and, uh, to put on his pants, and then he bends down and he it rips. That's so yes. Good. yes. Okay, so that's oh, the end of it. Oh, been there. That is so. It's been there. And can we talk a little bit about how much Darren had to like push his stomach out to do that? <laughs> With his though? little tiny belly. <laughs> oh. It's oh. so weird that some people, my sister, can do that. Like, she can blow her belly out, to, and it looks like she's pregnant. She's been able to do that ever since she was a little kid. I don't know what that is, but Darren was doing it. And then that gift got used for so many impreg bits. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm not surprised. Do you remember somebody wrote to somebody in production about, like, how dare you make Darren, like, gain weight or something? And they're like, no, what are you talking about? <laughs> I don't remember Darren that, but it does not surprise me. Darren's weight kind of, Darren, like, he's so small that five, ten pounds looks like a lot on him. Mm-hmm. But it's not like they said, hey, by the way, we're going to write an episode with Blaine Gaines, the freshman 15. You better start eating, like, so that he would be chubby for this episode or whatever. It just happened to be Darren's, if he doesn't work at it, he gets a little belly. And it just happened to work out for the story that he happened to be during one of those periods where he had the little belly. Well, well I but I don't think his weight looks, I mean, I don't think his looks look any different no, in not at all. these episodes at all, you know? So right. when they're trying to tell me that he's got the freshman 15, I, I, I just laugh at it well, because it's obvious that he's pushing his belly out because he exactly. has so little weight there. Yeah, but, I mean, he definitely was shows. a lot softer in his body um, physique during Glee than he was afterwards when he was in Hedwig and, you know, doing crunches 20 day, twenty hours a day kind of thing. So Yeah, and then, like, having to play, like, a gaunt, like, drug addict for Versace, like, right. it was, yeah, it was a totally different situation. Plus, they what they probably did is just a trick of the eye. They get the same pants that we've seen Blaine wear a thousand times, like two sizes too small, so that when he's trying to put them on, they look like 
it looks like he's gained weight, but they just got the same pants smaller. Right. And I was just going to add to right. that, like the whole, like, for example, during when, when we get to the, the stage combat stuff, they obviously dress him in bulkier clothes comparatively exactly. to her who they had Chris like, Hey, do like 10 reps before you, we start filming. I mean, there's a definite like intentional difference. Yeah. There. So it's TV magic. It's, I mean, yeah. they're not going to go as far as you like, we're going to put you in a fat suit or like put makeup on you, but they do things Which, that thank check you. the eye with the wardrobe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They do things with the wardrobe that check the eye, and instead of doing like they did on How I Met Your Mother, where they put um, Neil Patrick Harris in a bat suit to show that his relationship with Robin wasn't working out, like they just you know little TV tricks with the wardrobe mm-hmm. to right. make it look well, like he's gained weight. And I also think that there is some merit to the fact that this is a lot in Blaine's head. I mean, this whole yes. I wrote in my notes insecurity like five times. It's all about Blaine's insecurity. Kurt doesn't really he he is so confused by Blaine's actions in this whole episode. Like, yeah. So a lot of when it I is, was when oh, I was Blaine's age, when I was in high school, I thought I was a heifer. Now, being the age that I am now, looking back and realizing that part of the reason why I felt like I was so big is because my best friends were so petite. Like, mm-hmm. my three best friends, two of them were petite little Asian girls. And then two of them, and then out of them, they were all petite. Two of them had, like, D-cup boobs. They just, I felt like a heifer next to them. And then, and it's just because I have my dad's jeans where no matter how much I work out, I don't have, like, quite a flat stomach. And then I look at pictures now that I actually am overweight, and I'm like, girl, you wasted so many years I do this thinking same. that oh, I do this you know what I mean? Thing. And oh so, gosh, and it's, yeah. it's just dysmorphia. So, Blaine seeing Kurt, who's getting in this, like, excellent shape, and is, you know, he's got, you know, he's Kurt, he's tall, he's got, you know, the shoulders and everything, and Blaine is feeling bad about himself in general, and he's so not he's, fitting in. His relationship with his fiance is not going exactly as he had hoped. You know, school is hard. He's got all of those insecurities. And then you add on. And then he know, probably did gain a little bit of weight, but probably not as much as what's in his head. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. All right. So, um, and we don't want to talk a whole lot about Artie, but I do kind of want to go through this whole episode. So, um, we get into Artie and we kind of get a snapshot of his film career and he's currently fooling around with two girls. Um, I think it's Vanessa and Jess. Jess. Jessica. Yes. Was like naked on an episode of Shameless and I can't unsee it. I didn't even notice that. That's how used to nakedness I am on Shameless. I'm just like, oh, everybody's <laughs> naked on that show. Well, because I because I saw her on Glee first. Oh, so yeah. It stuck out to me when I saw it on Shameless. And I was like, oh my god, no, that's Artie's, that's Artie's girl. <laughs> She's <laughs> naked now. It's weird. But, um, here's the thing about Artie's story, because they always, you know, they always played his insecurity with women. Like, oh, you know, I'm this nerdy guy in the wheelchair. No one wanted to talk to me at McKinley because I tucked my khakis into my... I was like, dude, it's because you tacked your... It's really because you wore clothes that didn't fit you. Not because you're in the wheelchair. And because you... When you did have a girlfriend, you were kind of a dick. It wasn't that you were, like, a nerd or anything. Because by the time Gleeco graduated, that was not the case anymore. It's because every time you have a girlfriend, you treat them like crap. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. that's, that's always... Why, yeah. 
part of that's why you were single at McKinley, Artie. And he really wasn't that. I mean, like he had Brittany for an entire year. He had Tina for most of a year. Like he had Katie. Yeah, with Kitty. Yeah, he was Kitty with out me. of out of the girls he's dated, he dated two of the most popular girls in the school. And let's be real, he loves, he kind of is getting off on the fact that he's got two girls going. I mean, oh, yeah. He may really like this Julie girl because, I don't know, she seems like more like a normal person, but um, he, he he really is kind of like loving this all of this attention. Um, I'm sure he is. So. And honestly, there's nothing wrong with, as, as I've heard it call in my, um, like they call it on, the, on Insecure, Having a hotation, <laughs> a hotation, you know, and being and and you know, my friend, my friend, when I was in college, used to call it her hoe cards. She'd give herself so many hoe cards a year, where she would just like go out and bang some dude. And there's literally nothing wrong with doing that, you know. If that's your judge. If you're honest with the other people, if you're honest with yeah. the other people, and honest with yourself about, what yeah, this doing. is my moment. I'm just, I'm doing that right now. This is what. This is my turn to do that. I'm just, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So there's nothing wrong with the fact that Artie's sleeping with two girls or anything like that. The problem is that he, they don't know about each other and he's not wrapping it up. Yeah. Or being safe as we'll later find out. Yeah. <laughs> Good Lord. Which um, is the biggest concern. Yeah. Yes. I do like their little intros. For some reason, I just get a kick out of the whole, like, oh, I'm a fan of Jean-Luc Godard. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, right. As a former film student, let me <laughs> tell you how. Yes. Yeah. I was a film student in the late in the early 2000s, and I lied about what my favorite movie was because I did not want to hear it. <laughs> so... Yeah. As far as long as I was in film school, my favorite movie is Clerks, which is a movie I do love. But if you know me, you know my real favorite movie is Grease. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, Unless so, you're a film student, then it's like, well, oh then you my have God. to like your your best favorite must be Jean Luc Godard because um, you aren't a real film student unless you really get into French New Wave, you know, cinematography <laughs> and anything so, that's on the Criterion <laughs> Collection. <so> better. <laughs> Anyway, um, let's take a second and appreciate Artie's student film called Bags in the Wind. (laughs) I I, I was moved. It was so profound. (laughs) Oh, Artie saw American Beauty and got inspired. (laughs) That movie sucks. I was actually thinking more of it. It sucks so hard. It's It's so bad. Like I said, I was in film school at the time, and that was like one of the movies. And so I saw it, and I was like, fucking really? (laughs) And then, like, in my head, I was like, is this a white people thing? Is that why I don't get it? No. (laughs) I I don't know. It's a white male thing. I don't get it. White male thing. (laughs) It is a white male thing. Yeah, over a certain age. Overrated. Mm. So overrated. Anyway, um, so yeah. Have you guys watched um, Gilmore Girls or any of you Gilmore Girls fans? Yes. One of the characters, Kirk, makes a Yes. That this so reminded me of Kirk's film. I just yes. Oh my god, I forgot about that. I can see that the black and white. You know, I have found other Gilmore Girls connections in Glee, but no one. <laughs> No one else watched Gilmore Girls enough to get it. And let me tell you what this connection is, even though it's from season four. So okay. when Kurt sends in his audition 
to get into Miata the second time, yes. he sings Ren and Thibodeau a tape of him singing an acoustic version of Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go. And Blaine sends Kurt a Gomo Girls box set. Yeah, There's that's an what I was episode of Gomo Girls where the town troubadour <laughs> is playing an acoustic version of Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go. Yes. Yes. And so I was like, Gomo Girls, and they don't <laughs> see this connection. I have tried for years to write a Glee Gilmore Girls AU and have not succeeded at it. Same here. I tried to do a Felicity AU. At first, Blaine was going to be Felicity, and then season four happened, and I was like, no, Felicity is Marley. But I still never really got down to mm-hmm. like, really writing it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, um, kind of going on, uh, Julie seems nice, she's a likable one-off character, you can tell this is not gonna really go anywhere, because she's like, I'm not gonna date anybody I'm working with, which is probably smart on her part. Right, she's, the she's not changing that, that rule again. And no, she's yeah. not. Um, so, and then, um, we get Artie singing Addicted to Love, which I always kind of skip over, it's not bad, but like. Yeah, I skipped over it today, I didn't watch it. If you are alive in the it. 80s, you're probably it. still sick of that song. I mean, I, I was alive like, in the 80s, but I was only five. It played, it played a lot. Like, every time if you, if there's ever, like, I love the 80s retrospective, like, ugh, I just, it's one of those songs that I'm, like, never need to hear again. Mm. Yeah. Like, I it's heard it so much. It. I think it fits you know, pretty well. The story, fine, but it's just, and it's, like I said, it's done fine. Artie does fine. The girls dancing around him seems appropriate for Artie's little fantasy, but, yeah. You know what would have been a good song for this episode? Hmm. I Want Your Sets by George Michael. But then again, the song's alone. Oh. It's very sex positive. I sing it karaoke all the time. Yeah, but you see Glee doing Ooh. that. I can't either. No. I have such an issue with Artie because I stinking love Kevin McHale and I want to oh throw God. Artie out the window I know. 99% <laughs> of the time. I can't stand him. But I'm like, I love Kevin. So it's like, I, this, love Kevin. I can't yeah. make the two things work together. It's, I really yeah. like Artie. I mean, I think he's a sexist sleazeball at times, but that's also, he, like, grows from it. I, I don't know. I like Artie most of the time. I like, so. I like him most of the time. And I really, really like him in season one. I do, mm-hmm. like, there are moments of Artie that I think are hilarious. So, I can't, I don't, like, there's really only a handful of characters on Glee that I can honestly say I can't stand. Yes. Same here. I, think- I honestly like the majority of them. Hardy just unfortunately didn't ever get to have more of a story outside of his I'm a director and I am kind of a slutty slut. And yeah, unfortunately, like we don't get Artie stories enough for me to really feel like I have an opinion. He can be a, a sleazeball sometimes and other times I think he has, you know, great moments, but I don't know. It's kind of a bummer when you think about it because Kevin's been there from the beginning I think he's only missed if before season six. I think he'd only missed maybe one or two episodes in the entire run of the series. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And for the longest time, he was the only character, the only actor to be in every single episode mm-hmm. up until opening night. Some point a, of, it's opening night. Yeah, it's the first one that he misses. Exactly, and it's like for him to be like that workhorse in the cast and to get so little. And I yeah. think this is probably the last Artie storyline of the series, if I remember correctly. It just kind of yeah. bums me out. For the most part, unfortunately. 
Um, so, okay. Moving on back to the clean stuff. We get our first stage combat scene. And um, this is kind of where... Um, this is... When we, we open it, it's kind of uh, where, like, the guy's like, check out the gun show, and Kurt's like, okay, fine, whatever, who cares. Uh, I want to point out, though, at no point is Kurt, like, reciprocating this dude's, like, advances. He's just like, fine, whatever. Like, you're annoying, yeah. whatever, I'll placate you. Um, but I don't necessarily see that as flirting. That seemed like more masculine... Um, locker room talk to me of oh look how strong you are I should get strong too kind of thing I don't know if, I think um, it was supposed have... to be I think it's supposed to be seen as flirting from Blaine's point of view yeah I was gonna say oh, I felt okay. the flirty vibe out of it but I mean that's just me I don't know I guess I would be the... I, I, I mean I don't blame any person man woman um, flirting with Kurt at all I don't know how you could resist not doing that, so. <laughs> um. I I think, I can see why Blaine, especially if he's in a really insecure place, would feel some type of way about that. Yeah. Especially since I doubt there's anyone in the Yada from Carbon, Carmen Thibodeau to the lady who sweeps the floors at night who doesn't know that Blaine's engaged to Kurt. Yeah, right. Sure. He's told everybody. <laughs> well, Kurt probably told everybody. I mean, we don't see it, but yeah. I mean, just based on what Elliot said in the previous episode, Kurt doesn't shut up about Blaine either. So, right. Um. All right. So, but we get this monologue in Blaine's head, and the one thing that I really want to point out is that every single person at some point in time has had not nice thoughts about people that they really care about inside their head. You're allowed to. Yes. People yeah. were so offended by this. People were Just so Just ridiculous. Mad. But I'm like, listen, 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 Linda, listen. <laughs> <laughs> if you tell me that you have never had an unkind thought about someone that you love, you are a goddamn liar. Yeah. And, I mean, I'll get more into this, uh, a little deeper into this about um, when they have their actual quote-unquote fight later, when we talk about that. But Blaine knows on some level that he's being, he's thinking not nice thoughts about it, the person he loves. Mm-hmm. Like he, oh, yeah, he, he acknowledges that, too. And says, like, it's like this fight, like this internal struggle that he's having where it's like, I'm feeling these feelings, but I know these feelings aren't the right the healthy thing to have, but I can't help because I'm feeling these feelings. So like the, the struggle is there and he is, but he's a human. He has those feelings and he's allowed to have them and allowed to have them manifest in the ways that they do. As someone who has not just anxiety, but often has had that insecurity regarding how other people may feel about me. 90% of the time, you know, I know that I'm being ridiculous. Like, if I text, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I remember I texted my best friend. Now, keep in mind, my best friend has three jobs and is currently getting her PhD. And I texted her, like, something, like, ridiculously. Oh, my God, did you see what Beyonce? Something, something, something. And she texted my sister, like, I don't know, maybe if you could just tell her, like, I'm really busy right now. Like, I don't, and I was, like, so... Like, in my head, I'm like, well, does she's really fucking busy. She's getting a PhD and she has three jobs. 
But then the other part of me is that little voice is like, you know, she's she's mad at you and you gotta fix it and da 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 when really it's just she didn't want to hurt my feelings, but she's really fucking goofy. Like I relate to that idea of something has changed between me and this person and I don't know how to address it and it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger in my head. Mm. Exactly. Kurt, again, is not really where all that Kurt's is getting is that Blaine's distancing himself. That's it. Um, so Blaine is keeping this all to him. And yeah, I like, there's no, Blaine says in his little monologue, you know, I always knew Kurt had potential, but like when he starts to really like the idea that Kurt can go out and be his independent person and be an independent person without him is really what's driving this fear and insecurity. Like, oh, it's like the, really, he doesn't really need me. What 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 purpose am I serving if I'm not serving the purpose of him needing me? Oh, Blaine, how I relate to you. Right? <laughs> I feel the same way. I, like, love Kurt. He's definitely my favorite person on the show. I don't, like, I, that's just who he is. But I am actually more of a Blaine. Like, I, myself, react to things and feel things the way Blaine does. So, like, whenever I see this, I'm like, oh, honey, I would have done the same thing. Oh, my God. Yes. Oh, my God, right? My yeah. sister had a Tinder date on her birthday. And I was like, I'm afraid that you're going to like this guy. And then you guys are going to date and you're going to get married and you're going to move out. And I'm going to have to pay this rent by myself. And she's like, it, he, what? <laughs> right. <laughs> like, I, I, I just met him tonight. Like, calm down. Right. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I kind of feel bad. Like, because... I totally relate to Blaine in this episode. I, I do, I would, like, again, I wish Kurt had more point of view because there are, in this, I, at the end, I feel a little like Kurt, too. Like, what the hell are you talking about? Why is this an issue? But, um, yeah, I think they, they went, in, uh, Blaine is a very, very relatable person with, you know, insecurities that are very real that I think is one reason why this episode works so well is that those insecurities are very real. So. For me, the weakness is because I relate to Blaine so much. And I think we've talked about this before, Pam. I don't understand Kurt uh, at all mm-hmm. a lot of the time. Well, like, and- he is the polar opposite of, of me. So I wish that, there, that some of these stories were told from Kurt's point of view because sometimes I don't understand Right. His and reaction. I, one of the reasons I actually went back and I, I kind of went through it, I'm like, okay, I really need to be specific and careful about who I picked to do this episode is because I wanted people that would be able to sit down from different points of view and be able to have an, a not yelly conversation because I think that was the problem with fandom during this episode is that there were two very different points of view going on here and nobody was listening to the other person. And, right. And yeah. I... And- now that I have some distance from from it, not just because I've been away from Tumblr for, for a while, and the fandom I'm in now is a reality show, so it's all talking about real people and stuff. But um, I think that a lot of it is, so we have these characters, we relate to them a lot, and sometimes I think people have a hard time not projecting mm-hmm. yeah. onto the character. Yeah. Yes. So when yes. someone says... I don't like how Kurt reacted or this aspect of Kurt is confusing to me or this aspect of, of Kurt is upsetting to me. Then they take, okay, this aspect of me 
things of setting and wrong and things like that. And I tried to make sure that I wasn't doing that. But I feel like a lot of times people were very much taking it as thing that you don't like about this character. You also don't like about me. And then right. it turns into like World exactly. War Three, and it shouldn't yes. be because when you really take a step back, okay, like if at the end of the day, if Kurt and Blaine are happy with each other, that's that's the story. There's no, I mean, right. that's it, you know. And if they're not happy with each other, that's a story, and it's entertaining at least to me. Right, I like so. when they fight. It gives me it whenever they fight. You would get ten thousand fan fiction to read that weekend and a bunch of meta posts to read and also a bunch of really good episodes. So I would be conflict, like, yeah, let's fight. Conflict drive. Well, and I think both Yeah. I, I think both Darren and Chris really enjoyed episodes where they got yeah. to fight and have some conflict and angst with each other because that's great fodder as an actor to explore those kind of emotions. Right. And so I think that brought out their um, their expertise, and so we ended up enjoying those um, episodes even more. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, kind of before we go away from the scene, I just want to mention Blaine eating those Cheetos again. It's just like this emotional eating. I mean, at this point, he's emotionally eating, eating his feelings, um, and it's it's just a bad rabbit hole to get down or to keep getting down. Yeah. Cheetos and Doritos are so good. But if you're going to binge eat and wear black, you eat plain lace. So that when you wipe your hands on your shirt, it does not leave any marks. Mm, man. Yeah, well, it was, it was so exaggerated. Face and just loving every single second of it. Mm. Except he wasn't really enjoying every single second of it. No. And that's what made me sad. I'm like, really no, you should be enjoying your Cheetos. Just... Except maybe not they, in. Would well, you remember? Do you guys remember? It took Twenty takes to film that. I feel like if he really ate the Cheetos, he would have been vomiting by the end oh, of that. Oh yeah. Day. Do you guys remember though? Throwback to Naked when he tells Sam that sometimes you can eat some Cheetos every once in a while. It's fine. Um, yeah. Okay, so uh, kind of moving forward because we are on number five out of twenty points. I want to make. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's talk about Sam and Mercedes. And when we first see them, they're making out on the couch. And um, I think it's kind of cool that they, you know, they allowed Sam and Mercedes quite a bit of physicality, um, which was always nice. Yes, very much. Very much so. That made me happy to see it, not just because Floyd's hot and Amber's hot. And I'm like, push your faces together more. Oh, she is mm-hmm. so um, gorgeous in this episode. I just, I know. Oh, oh my God. Goodness. And have you seen her lately? Like, do you follow her Instagram? Just like, yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Her, like what you are she's stunning she's just like beautiful right oh my god i can't with her she's just a <laughs> woman who just gets more and more beautiful the more you know her because her exactly. spirit is so beautiful yes Ugh. yeah it, she just radiates like kindness mm-hmm. you know so and sass. Mm-hmm. so yeah flipping sassy and happiness like, and Oh, I just, yeah. I'm, I've met 80% of the Glee cast But I'm devastated that Amber is not one of them I'm sure you will at some point Kay. Just She's back in LA So it's more likely now <laughs> <laughs> um, But We get this conversation where They need to slow down And she's honest with You know She's honest with Sam saying look You are experienced I'm not 
And, you know, he, I gotta give him credit for being very understanding of this entire situation during this whole episode. Definitely. He's a good guy. Mm. Yeah. Because when's the last time we had this? I think it was with Jesse and Rachel in The Power of Madonna. Yeah. And then again in, um, my mind went blank. But I think that with regards to being in a relationship where one person's a virgin and the other one's not, I think Sam does handle it best out of the guys. Yeah. Well, it's mm-hmm. also, interestingly, and Kay, you probably can correct me if I'm wrong on this, they gave um, Amber the choice whether she was to lose her virginity or not in this episode, and she said no. She's like, I'm not doing that is correct. love scenes with any of these guys. And But I think that's an admirable choice. I mean, she, because while I may not personally agree with her viewpoint, I respect, like, the character for having, like, she knows what she who she is. She has her own reasons for why she wants to do, do that. And there are completely valid reasons. And Sam is a good enough guy to respect that and say, okay, like, let's and this And on a whole other... Okay, you're breaking up a little bit. Very rare on TV. Oh, sorry. All right, I was on a representation level. You know, women of color are often overly sexualized. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it was nice to have that moment, and it not be, and it be understood by the other characters, and it not be something that she gets ridiculed for. In that she's very strong in her convictions. At the time, I had mixed feelings about it because on one hand I was like super happy to see that represented but then on the other hand I was like oh so the so the big girl doesn't get any you know what I mean but looking back I'm really happy that they went with the story this way and I have a feeling that Mercedes might have been that they might have been doing a little bit more that we don't know about because in season six when she tells Sam that she has a boyfriend he asked if he's bigger and I didn't think Sam meant taller (laughs) no I'm sure, like, yeah, you know, they're definitely not chased, let's put it that way. Yeah. So, okay, so um, then we get our first ice cream, I can't remember the place's name. Serendipity. Serendipity. We get our first serendipity scene. Um, which, which is the that frozen hot chocolate is amazing. If you ever go to New York and you want to try it, I highly recommend it. Oh and I don't, God, I'm not a big good. ice cream person, and I love it. Um, I want one. Putting it on my list. <laughs> Today is National Root Beer Float Day, and this is the week that I cho- and this is when I've chosen to go back on keto. <laughs> That's really sad. Oh. I, I bet there's a Halo Ten version of it you could try. Well. There's a keto way of having a root beer float where you take heavy cream and ice cubes and blend them and then pour root beer in that. Mm-hmm. But I just didn't have the time to go get all that yeah. stuff to do that. Um, so, yeah, the crux of this scene is that first we have Sam talking about he wants to be a gentleman, gentleman for Mercedes. And he talks about how um, he wants to basically go get tested. Um, and you, how do you guys feel about like Kurt's reaction of anybody else? Like, just he's like, you guys haven't had sex yet. Like, and I can kind of see Artie being like, dude. But it's interesting that Kurt is kind of like, really, you haven't had sex yet? I don't know. There's certain situations where I feel like 
Geek Lee writers were like, okay, we need to express this, or or I want someone to say this. Who hasn't spoken in a while? And then you just, <laughs> like that time when Rachel was like, oh, I bought tickets to Cats and it swiped my credit card up the butt crack. You didn't mean to tell me that Rachel Barber Barry doesn't know when Cats closed? Right, right. Lies. <laughs> Lies. So I feel like this is one of those instances because there's no way that Kirk doesn't know that Mercedes is a virgin and why. Yeah, I think that's a good point. That I would agree with that. That I'm pretty sure that. Well, and I also feel like Kurt's not one who's going to sit there and say, "Oh, you haven't had sex," and be like all surprised. Right. But I feel like he's yeah. still the person who puts a lot of um, emphasis on reasons to have sex. That is, you know, that he finds it important. Which again is why I think he brings up Eli again in the same conversation. Um, you know what I would love to read? Remember that they did an episode of How I Met Your Mother where they were trying to list like a hundred reasons to have sex and it was like because it's too cold or because we're bored. Blah, blah, blah. I would have loved to have read a Glee fan fiction version of that. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been fun. <laughs> I do think we've come a long way with Kurt though that I do think sex is a very this is like one of the underlying they don't come out and explicitly state it but it's kind of one of those things you have to read between the lines i think that sex is a very important thing to kurt especially since he's not getting it right now and i do think that is why he brings up the whole eli thing because yes you know yeah that's that's a thing for him yeah i think oh go ahead bethany for me i think that the thing that's really important to Kurt is intimacy. Yes. And so he equates intimacy and sex at the same, like in this, on the same level, which they, they can, I mean, you, I don't want to get into that, but anyway, for Kurt, <laughs> he's very, which is something like, that he has in common with Mercedes. Yeah. Yes. Right. So it's, you know, I, I would like to think that it's a conversation they've had, but then again, you know, friendships change over time, and if she's, you know, she's been off and on with Sam, but mostly single, and Kurt's been with Lane, I could see it not really being a conversation that either one of them right. really and brings like, up. Right, and like, you know, you have mm-hmm. some friends that you talk about some things with, and other friends you talk about other things with, and maybe this is just one thing that she's not comfortable talking with Kurt about. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, let's so they decide to all get tested. Even Artie, who doesn't want to be, probably because he secretly knows it's not going to turn out well. <laughs> right. Um, I love that when Sam's like, do they poke your junk? And they're both like, what? Like, Kurt and Blaine are like, huh? <laughs> um, and then we get this whole little bit where Blaine orders... Can I just say that I love... Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I just, I love the, the groupings in this episode. Yeah, they are very, they're very funny. Oh, yeah. It's very, uh, like, you know, Mercedes and Rachel together is very sweet, and the guys together is just hilarious. Which is, uh, yeah, I was going to say this a little bit more for the, the mm, slut-shaming scene, but um, yeah, having a smaller cast does wonders for this show. I mean, because everybody, it has room to breathe, you have room for the jokes to land, you have room for the chemistry to really, you know, you have, yeah. just when it's just four Those characters. intimate conversations yeah. together. Yeah. yeah. And it's nice that they're all, like, they're all coming in and they're having these, like, we have multiple guy scenes in there, and it's not like the Finn, 
like Puck scenes of Yesteryor where like, hey, hey, we have to save Puck from failing and like nobody really even cares. They're just there in the scene. It's it's all everybody is like this everything about this conversation relates to these three these three storylines and they're all wound up in each other, even if they're going in different directions and not directly related. The theme is there and it's just interwoven very wonderfully and then it's it's just a very really good episode that way. So yeah, mm-hmm. and it really does feel like how a group of friends in that age group kind of hang out. Like, there are times where you're all together, there are times where you break up into smaller groups, mm-hmm. and it feels very, very um, realistic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, what do you guys... Okay, so Blaine orders the big, like, Sunday thing, and Kurt's like, really? I'm not gonna... Okay, whatever. And Blaine's just like... Well, I mean... Oh, go ahead. You're at Serendipity when in Rome, man. I'm sure it's not the first time they've been there, though, to be honest <laughs> with you. It looks like it's something they do once a week. But, but I mean, why go to Serendipity if you're not going to, like, get anything? Because you're going to hang out with your friends. I, I mean, but, like, I would be like, can we, like, find a new spot? Because I'm kind of doing, like, this thing. Like, if my friends are like, let's go to the Baskin Robbins. Guys, I'm doing keto. Can we go somewhere else? I'm not as strong as Kurt. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think Kurt needed that and he needed to worry about it. Yeah, I would have been face first in one of those hot chocolates (laughs) for five minutes. Oh. So. Yeah. It does make me a little, it makes me a little, mm, makes me feel a little something whenever Blaine orders the thing for him, but not in a way that I need to get upset about it if that makes sense like it's just part of the story Blaine is feeling insecure and he wants to eat this and he wants his boyfriend to eat it because then he doesn't look like he's eating it all by himself you know what I mean if what Pam was saying is correct and this is like their place and they go once a week it's not hard for me to imagine that a couple weeks ago a few weeks ago a month ago Kurt was ordering that right yeah, that's mm-hmm. true too. I I think there is something to be said where you know Kurt seems so extreme about his diet as well. Oh, you yeah. know that there's there he's out with his friends at an ice cream place and he says, "Oh, I'll try a bite." Well, yeah. you're really out with your friends at an ice cream place. You know, maybe not following your diet so strictly at that point is really. Well, yeah, All well, that important. And we'll talk about that more when we get into the date thing where when Blaine's making dinner and Kurt's like, we can't eat all that. I'm like, oh, hell yes, you can. I could. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, I could. I eat all of that. I'd like, be very happy. You, you get a salad and then you walk home. That doesn't sound satisfying. But it, Kurt is going to the other extreme. Mm-hmm. So because I'm hungry again just thinking about it. Just having a salad. You know, we like our goal. We're circling back to a control issue. They're both trying yep. to control the situation, and neither of them, it's not working for either of them. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, going forward, we get a little like Artie's. Um, it's when Artie goes in and he gets his test results and he finds out that he does have chlamydia. Oh, Artie. He's got the clap. Got the clap. Is this the Avoid first. the clap. Jimmy when... Dugan. Um. <laughs> When he, the first time they show him dressed up as the STD. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> the STD booger. <laughs> it looks like he's wearing a booger costume. <laughs> oh, it's so gross. 
I know. The resulting scene, the slut shaming scene, is I have to say one of my sisters. If I'm watching Tested, and she knows the scene is coming up, like she can hear from the other room. She will come in the room just to watch that scene. It's so funny. I think that the slut shaming not- scene is one of the funniest things they've ever done on the show. Like all like, the comedic timing every- is there, and everything it just it just snaps, and it's so the jokes are funny and they land, and it's just good. When Blaine says, "Well, do you use protection?" and Artie's like, "No," and Blaine's like, "That would be why." <laughs> like just the way he said it, and then when Kurt's like, "What too?" and you see Sam in the background with the hand sanitizer, like. I- <laughs> Oh, my so this is later but whenever Sam tells looks at Mercedes he's like don't touch him no. <laughs> and Mercedes is like what <laughs> oh my god and he's just like he, at one point he looks at Artie and does the no hand the no hand finger like like a like a mom would do to like a bad kid like slapping his hands and hand sanitizer and giving him like the dirtiest look like <laughs> this has got to be Court Overstreet's best scene because, like, when he grabs his junk and he's like, "You gotta wear one every time." Like, <laughs> like I, I don't know how they got through that with a straight face. They must have had to do it so many times. This is why I want a blooper reel because oh they can't imagine oh, that they got through that scene with a straight face. Oh, I'm slut shaming you, Artie. <laughs> slut shaming. Damn, calm down. <laughs> Like, have you ever, you know how people go to a puppy and they're like, no. <laughs> Sam was like literally a step away from doing that. Yeah. <laughs> but I, you know what I love about this? It's so funny and so comedic, but it also is like shoving like another PSA down your throat without us really, I mean, we know it, but like without being preachy, they're like, hey, you need to have safe sex because you could get STDs or something like HIV or you could get somebody pregnant. But they, it's so done in such a way that it's funny and entertaining and not like after school special. Kitty must, Kitty and Brittany must be on some bulletproof birth control. Like they must have like the shot or <laughs> one of those things if they let Artie tap it raw. Something because I, don't know. Yeah. I yeah it ha- seriously we're lucky we didn't have we're lucky Beth didn't have a playmate is all I have to say doesn't this song, <laughs> doesn't this put in perspective though like Artie's fear of Brittany being pregnant way back in season two <laughs> yes it does who said Lee doesn't have continuity <laughs> oh, seriously man. oh my god and if this doesn't give you an idea of what Kurt and Blaine would be like as parents I don't even know right. <laughs> Oh man, but I, I, you know, and I like that. I like that all the other guys are like, you know, I, I like with Kurt and Blaine that it kind of this episode kind of says, hey, they're a little bit of, of a horn dogs when you actually let them be that way. But at the same time, they're responsible too. They're not like, yeah. And then you got Sam being like this just wonderful person with Mercedes. I, I like the conversations around sex with this particular episode. So they're all very positive. Yeah. Because even Artie's story, even though Kurt's reaction to when he goes, which one? Yeah. It's still not like, you know, it's not making me a girl or like villainizer. Some of them laugh at it, but like I said, some students, things like that. But um, it's not saying you don't have mental health. Like, if you
Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, the scene's wonderful. You guys, stop the podcast. Go watch that scene again. It's brilliant. Um, <laughs> no, don't. <laughs> um, so we, the next thing we get though is Artie um, telling the girls, and the one girl's like, I, I kind of love these reactions. One girl's like, Oh my god, how dare you! I just hate you. You're horrible. You're the worst person ever. The other girl's like, Oh yeah, I probably gave it to you. Good to know. Yeah. <laughs> so, I kind of like that. I was like, That girl could have stuck around. Yeah. She's pretty chill about it. Yeah. She was like... And again, I think it goes with the whole um, kind of sex-positive aspect of it. Mm -hmm. Of, you know, the one girl was like, oh, okay, that happens with sex. And, you know, thanks for letting me know. I'll go get tested, take care of it myself, you know? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and then I'm, I am glad that Dita didn't make both girls react like the first one did. I mean, yeah, they did it kind of for comedy too, but I do like that they let the girls, you know, that one girl at least be like, yeah, I'm into sex, probably had multiple partners too, no big deal. So. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of when Miranda got it on Sex in the City. Yeah. And she had to call, like, every, she had to call Steve and. Oh my god, Steve's reaction getting that test was hilarious. I know, right? Well, and then Artie's like, eh, other girl that he really liked, I mean, her reaction to um, being told by Artie that he's got chlamydia was not necessarily negative that he has chlamydia. It was more of how he's been approaching this whole situation where he's bringing up sex in a conversation that she wasn't ready to have that conversation. Right. Yeah. On the first date, like five minutes into it. Yeah. Right. That was her problem. Not necessarily that he had an STI that he needs to have treated. Right. Yeah. But it was like, um, we haven't even finished this meal yet. And like chill out dude because we were not we're not there yet and see, it's the equivalent of getting that you know dick pic when you're saying hello on the dating app you right. know well, that you're like wait hey, jesus i have not ever gotten one thank <laughs> the lord count your lucky stars <laughs> because um, lord that oh i can't even imagine my friend i the first person i knew who got one was this my friend we worked together and I went to go see him in his department and he was excited about it. And it was on a flip phone. Because <laughs> it was before smartphones. I'm sure after like the first one him. it gets old. <laughs> yeah. I, I like to remind him that he's the first person I've ever known to get one on his Motorola Razor. <laughs> oh my god. Anyway, um, for this scene though, particularly, um, she just comes to ask him out to go on that date and... Like, the fact that he can't differentiate between, like, hey, this girl just wants to try and going out. He's so up in his own head space about, like, having an STD. Like, he, it's so, he just has all this anxiety about, which I can kind of see, should, do, but. If Artie didn't have an STD, would he have mentioned sex to that girl on the first date, is the question. Yeah, that's a true point, too, though. So. Because part of me is, like, if Artie's really banging it out with all these girls in college and he kind of thinks that he's hot shit then I feel like he would have ruined it by trying to go too fast regardless because he's so used to the girls at the school you know being on that same page right 
Yeah, I think it's a really interesting contrast between Sam's story of, you know, him and Mercedes developing this close dating relationship and then finding out that, you know, his partner is wanting to go slow versus Ari, who, you know, basically approaches every girl as a sex opportunity and the relationship seems to be a secondary kind of thing to him. Yep. And so you've got that kind of contrast going on in this episode. Yep. Oh, well, speaking of Sam and Mercedes, this is, we get the scene with them at church, and um, I can't remember what song she sings. I want to know what Love Is by Foreigner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I, have a, I have a guilty pleasure, and it is 80s power ballad. <laughs> So that one, like, hit all of your... Yeah, give me Speedwagon, give me Foreigner, Whitesnake, all of it. I love all of it. (laughs) Well, she sounded amazing on it. I mean, she she always does, but it... Stunning, and and I always love having the choir in the background, and yes, that church was blessed that day. Yes, it was. And I like that because it calls back to the God Squad that Sam and her go to church together. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I like, thought that was a nice touch. I think it's also a nice touch in general that Sam is very open to her, you know, they're in the same religion. They have similar, you know, ideas of faith. And I think that is one of those essential things when it comes to a relationship to be on the same page as of that. I don't know. It's not like something that's really spoken in the in the episode, but he says later that he prayed about it too, and that you know, I think that makes them a good fit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does make them a good fit because when you are a religious person, it does get a little hard to date, especially because people make assumptions based on the fact that you are a religious person. So if you mm-hmm. find someone that is on the same page as you, that's you know, that's really awesome. And even if they're not exactly on the same, like Sam's not as devout as Mercedes is. I mean, remember his conversation with Joe in season three about being a Christian and also having um, premarital sex. So he's not as devout in that way, but you know, it's still something that he understands about her. Yep. All right. So um, then we get our second stage combat scene and favorite. Huh? It's my favorite. Go ahead and tell us. You go ahead and talk. <laughs> I just love that scene. So, well, one, it's one of my favorite duets that they perform. I just really love it. I think that they meet so well and and their voices blend oh, so wait. well oh, in oh, that oh. song. Wait, we're we actually, are we not talking about a different? No. no, that's the second one. That's, that's the, the next first one. one. Yeah, this yeah. is actually the, that's the third one. This is the second one. Um, okay, fine. Oh, yeah. this Never is mind. The one, that's okay. <laughs> it's all good. Um, this one is where um, this is where basically they're going to divide into two teams, um, shirts and skins. And Kurt's like, you know what? I'm going to go shirtless because I can. And he ha- it's his turn for an inner monologue saying. You know, I am finally in a place where my outside can catch up to my confident inside. I don't feel ashamed of my body anymore. I'm going to go ahead and do that. But then he's also saying, you know, I know that Blaine is going through a hard time. I can see it. I don't, like, kind of know. But, you know, our relationship's being tested. I'm going to try and still make sure Blaine feels comfortable, too. 
So, and that's what that little scene is. That leads into, though, the date night, um, which might be later that night, I don't know. But the fact that, you know, Kurt has probably been like, you know what, it's time, maybe we should set up a date night. This kind of reminds me of Dance with Somebody when he says we schedule makeout sessions. You know, mm-hmm. we have this time together. Oh, little planner, little planner Kurt. Yep. We we have this time together, um, and you know that Kurt was like, we're going to, you know, we're going to get intimate here. We're going to bang one out awesome. finally. I wrote this really awesome thick once, and I don't remember who wrote it, but, like, it's, like, him before he goes over there, and he's talking about, oh, I know Blaine loves me in this shirt, so I'm going to wear this shirt because it, I, he's, you know what I mean? Like, and so I can just see it, like, him being like, okay, I'm going to go over there tonight, and we're going to have a date night, and then we're going to have sex, and it's getting, everything's going to be back to normal once we have sex. Yep. Mm -hmm. Oh, my poor, inexperienced, sweet baby. Right. Oh. (laughs) Yeah. Well, so then we get... This is interesting to me. Okay, so Blaine's cooking this, I guess, heavy meal. I don't know. That just seems like a regular meal to me. Um, I mean, I'm sorry. Did you did you mean heavy or delicious? Right. <laughs> um, and we just have a lot of protein. Maybe throw some protein in there. True. But not that. And, and a sorry, salad, I'm, maybe, if you want the greens, but... Yeah, I'm having carb withdrawals, and he's making pasta. Yeah. <laughs> and potatoes. Right? Like, get in my belly. Mm-hmm. Um, and granted, chocolate. If Kurt's wanting to have, like, a sex marathon that night, though, they could go a little lighter. Um, not just... But- this, okay, this is the funny thing, funniest thing about, like, TV versus reality, because, okay, most of, a lot of my friends are gay men, and even, like, a, one of the podcasts I listen to is this gay man and they're talking about like you know bottoming and stuff and i remember he was talking about one on the podcast in particular he's talking about having a date and like not eating anything for the whole day leading up to it because he knew that he was gonna bottom that night and it always cracks me up because in reality there's like a whole lot of planning with regards to like what you eat and you know taking care of that part you know beforehand but in fan fiction and on TV, it's just like, yeah, I'm going to eat some fettuccine Alfredo and like a cake. And then, well, we can argue there's subtext there that, I mean, it's not yeah. just Kurt wanting to be healthy. He wants to like be okay for this. Right. Evening. Yeah. Whereas Blaine's he like, wants to have sex. yeah. And Blaine's not thinking about it because he wants to get that fettuccine in his belly. Yep. <laughs> well, and then, you know, they're, they're just having two different conversations because Kurt's like, okay, I'm doing this because we're going to, we're going to have totally have sex tonight. And Blaine is meanwhile, kind of like, oh, you think I'm fat now. And Kurt's like, what? No, you're fine. I don't not. What are we even, what is this conversation? He's so confused when Blaine's like, right. you know, you think my instrument's getting out of tune. And Kurt's like, no, I think you're fine. Like, <laughs> cute as ever. As handsome just, as ever, yeah. Yeah, I just, that's one of my favorite, like, little touches, because we don't often hear from Kurt, because he's not, like, you know, the whole love language is things. He's not that person to always, like, kind of, like, wax poetic. But at any opportunity, he does bring up how hot or how attractive he thinks Blaine is. And I think mm-hmm. that is so cute. His mm-hmm. cutie or, you know, handsome as ever. Cute as ever in your warbler blazer. Like, I just, I don't know. That's like a little touch that I think is really adorable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like that, that this whole 
like argument and fight and stuff like that is not really about whether they're attracted to each other. It's about their own insecurities. Mm-hmm. And the miscommunication that's going on. Yep. Because there is miscommunication everywhere. Like you said, they're having two different fights. Yep. Well, okay. So yeah. So then we get. So then we get Kurt looking on the computer, and he finds the porn, and that just is like. Yeah, that doesn't end well. Um, I read this fan fiction where Kurt and where Mercedes and Sam had to have a sit down talk with Kurt and Blaine about being in communal communal areas in the apartment. So (laughs) the idea that Blaine was like, I I mean, he probably just brought the laptop into the living room, but the idea of him watching Frapway Physicals (laughs) and doing whatever he's doing on the stage. Close that out. Especially if your fiance. Well, it makes me wonder: was he doing that right before their date? Like, was he like, okay, I'll just get? I could imagine that he was. If he's not feeling comfortable Mm. enough to have sex with Kurt, then I could imagine him doing that so that he's not tempted. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, like get it over with, and then it won't even be a thought. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, But dude, close the window. Yeah. But I also like. This kind of kicks up some of Kurt's insecurities. Like, he's not getting that intimacy through sex. And, like, what, you know, why is Blaine, why would Blaine rather do, you know, watch porn than be with me? Like, why is this right. a thing? What What am I not, like, but the weirdest thing to me, and I, I don't particularly, I, I kind of call a writing flaw in this, is that Kurt just leaves. I'm like, okay, that doesn't seem... I don't know. That is a little odd, too. But I think it's literally like he's just like, if he doesn't want to be with me, like he's choosing he's choosing to watch porn instead of being with me. Why would I sit here? You know what I mean? Like, I understand where they were going. I just don't think it really landed for Kurt's character. Here's a question that I have, because between this and the way that Kurt referred to porn and sexy, I think a lot of people got the idea that Kurt had an issue with porn. It's as a thing like itself, um, which I don't, I mean, obviously porn's not for everyone. Some people can get into it. Some people are too creeped out by it. I fall somewhere in the middle probably. But um, do you think that if their relationship had been fine and they weren't having these communication issues and they weren't, you know, both knee deep in these insecurities, if Kurt had found that Blaine was watching porn, that he would have been a- offended or that he would have just closed the window and been like, oh my God, Blaine, you're gross. But like kept on with the day. I think probably the latter. Mm, I um, would agree with that. And my opinion has changed actually watching it this time rather than, you know, when I first watched it. Like the follow-up with conversation when they're meeting in the combat class again was, you know, Blaine brought up of, oh, are you still upset about the the porn? And Kurt kind of looked at him and said, no, not at all. I mean, he's still upset, but it really was not related around the porn use itself. And so Uh I do feel like, again, the porn is probably the lesser component of it. It's more of this loss of intimacy that he has. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Because I think a lot of people, because there are people who get offended when they find their significant other watching porn. But I think in this situation, it's more about the fact it's like a, it's like all these things building up and then that being like literally the worst thing he could have seen 
at that mm-hmm. moment based yes. on the other issues going on. And I think also it's the fact that Blaine is replacing time with Kurt with porn. Like exactly. he's, it's, he's switching, you know what I mean? Like he's not being intimate with Kurt and instead he's watching porn. If yeah. he were just watching porn and their relationship was fine, I'm positive it would be like, a, ugh, I hate porn, whatever, do what you want to do. Because he literally yeah. says that, like, do what you're going to do, right. whatever. But it's the fact that they're not they're not being intimate with each other. And that's so then Kurt feels like it's like he's replacing time with Kurt with prep with physical stuff. Right. And there's a little bit of... Uh, a little bit of trust issue uh, it's not huge but like if you go back to the original breakup they broke up because of a lot of reasons but like you know because Blaine cheated and that still is like oh is he gonna go out and do other things like does this you know just for a minute it's like does... if you go back to dance with somebody when Blaine started getting insecure that he was going to lose Kurt to New York, he pulled away physically. He pulled back, yeah. Yep, exactly. I feel like they. I, I think I said this a long time ago, though. They they had like the same fight over and over and over again. It's just in different ways, but um. But yeah. I don't think that by the time they're our age, they stop having this fight. Yeah, but, I'm no, sure. I a think lot of they it will. I kind of feel like. So, yeah. I know they don't exactly address it in season six, but I get just this vibe that they've gotten over this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. Um, I also get the feeling that they probably saw some couples counseling after they got married. Oh, yeah. I they agree. Were they were counseling yeah. themselves, and so they were like, if well, this is going to work, we need to do couples counseling as well. Right, exactly. Yeah. Well, and also, like, even in Untitled Rachel, in, in Untitled Rachel Berry Project, Kurt mentions they've had long, drawn-out co- talks about this, about trust. So I'm guessing, like, out of this issue... They probably have had conversations about, like, I think by the end of season five, their issues with the first breakup stuff aren't bi- a big problem. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. All right. So, um, in the next scene, we've got our Mercedes Rachel scene. Yay, guys, we're going to pass that lovely test today. Because I have been, I've said, for a very long time that once you remove McKinley mm-hmm. from between them, Rachel and Mercedes are very similar and would get along really well once you remove the toxic environment and well, Mr. Shu. And that, that they're not fighting for the same thing. Their exactly. careers are very different. So they can be very supportive of each other in a way that's really healthy because they are so similar and they're fighting so hard for what they want, but it's not the same thing anymore. Exactly. And I love that this friendship continues through season six and they become each other's biggest supporters and that Mercedes, you know, really does support Rachel through everything in season six. And so, yeah, this is probably one of my favorite friendships that I just wish we had gotten more. I mean, you saw like different Mm -hmm. pieces of it. You saw Mercedes comfort her in season one after, after, um, the falsification with um, vocal adrenaline. You saw them kind of hanging out when Kurt moved to when Kurt went to Dalton. It's just that that competition that McKinley kept getting between right. them, and now mm-hmm. that that's not a factor, 
you get to see like a really good friendship and Glee has never really been particularly good at female friendship. So I'm really glad that we at least got this one. Well, and I, really I do agree. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. No, I'll let you guys I go was ahead. just gonna say. I was just gonna say. I do agree. I wish we had seen more of it. But one thing that I feel like Glee does is they are like, we showed you this once. You have to assume it happens all the time. So yeah. I think that in it some cases and not in others. Yeah. Yes. I. Oh, go ahead. Oh no! I was gonna say it's just when you think of all the other female friendships on the show. I think the this is probably one of the only ones that doesn't feel, like like but Barry like really is just gross as a friendship, yeah. you know. And and we obviously saw how toxic uh, Rachel and Santana's friendship became at the beginning of you know towards the beginning of season five. So it's just nice to have a genuine female friendship that lasts the rest of the series. I really yes. like that they let Rachel be a supporting player in somebody else's story and that yeah. she has good advice to offer, that she's supportive, that it doesn't become about her. Like, Mercedes has some genuine insecurities and Rachel's able to address them and they talk like two good friends having a conversation about, you know, this very serious thing and it's a really refreshing and yeah, especially because it's nice to have a positive conversation about sex re- relating to Rachel. Because the longest time I always got sad feelings when it came to Rachel and sex. Because in season three, she listed off having sex with Finn as like something on her to do list, and then with Brody, it felt like she was play acting. Mm-hmm. And so I always got like really icky feelings when it came to Rachel and her sex life. So having this conversation with her and Mercedes, it's a lot healthier with regards to Rachel. So that kind of cleared away some of the like weird feelings I had previously. I also kind of think, and maybe this is not nice of me, but this episode, one reason I think it works so well is that Rachel is barely in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like Rachel a lot during this part of, Obviously yeah. for the remain from here until the series ends. Yeah, she's yeah. 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 I agree too, Me actually. Too. Um all right, so now we get into that other stage combat. We talked a little bit about, you know, um Kurt not being so really that upset about the porn. I'm curious about because this is one thing that I've never been a hundred percent sure on. His comment about they talk too much sometimes. I think it's hearkening back to the fact that they've been talking and not having sex. Yeah, I rolled my eyes and was like, y'all don't talk enough. No, they don't talk enough. Mm -mm. But I think it's him saying, we're talking too much and we're not being physical enough. And I think that's, you know, it leads nicely into this very physical musical number, which I will Mm -hmm. now let Julia talk about. So, (laughs) will you let me talk? (laughs) The pinching swords are a metaphor for the fact that they're not cross, you know, sword fighting in the bedroom. Oh well, love is a battlefield. So <laughs> that it is. That it is. So okay, Julia, you have the floor. Why is this your favorite? Do I have so okay. I mentioned that I this is actually one of my favorite duets that they've done. 
I really enjoy this one. I, um, you know, um, Baby It's Cold Outside and Somebody Loves Me are my three favorites that they've done because I think their voices match so well here. Um, it's a fun song that you can hear, like, they're having fun in the um, studio. I think that comes through on it. Um, and then I just really love the choreography to this number as well. I think the lighting is is stunning the way that the choreography is done it's one of the more physical numbers that glee has done as a duet and i just think that it really gets a lot of theat- uh, theatricality into it um and it just i don't know it expresses a lot of emotion as well you could see both of their emotions as um, blaine becomes more and more frustrated with what's going on kurt is more and more frustrated at blaine's reactions to what's going on and so it becomes very circular and it really fits the theme of the song of it being a battlefield where they're both battling against each other as well as themselves and not quite understanding where the other one's coming from and like Kay said, they can't actually show anger text on screen, so this is <laughs> right. But no, I, this is I the do agree. We're gonna get. <laughs> and I agree. It is a really oh, sorry. beautifully done. Oh, what? That was my alarm. Oh, and I didn't hear question. anything. Yeah, I didn't either. Yeah. Okay, thank God. Okay, perfect. <laughs> um, I, I agree. It's it's really beautifully done and. Um, like, I just think it's just, I don't know, I just really like it. I don't, I'm not even a huge fan of the song. Um, no. but, yeah. In real life, hearing am. it on, I'm like, eh, whatever, but. I know all the choreography from the original video. <laughs> do you really? I do. Me and my sister. And we sing a karaoke sometimes. Oh, that's funny. Um. But yeah, it's, there, there are a couple of lines, like, Kurt says, you know, like, I don't remember what it is exactly, well, come on, Kay, you know all the lines, what is, what is, <laughs> Kurt says, um, you know, you're pushing and pulling me, basically, like, what do you want, and Blaine's like, yeah. do you even want me anymore, like, it, it's just, it fits so well. And it harkens back to, um, New New York, you know, with with the scene with the mimes going on and um, Blaine getting into a space, I love it. Yep. Yeah. Well, what do you guys think? Of- oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, what do you guys think of the end when? It's interesting that they must have been having like some passive aggressive stuff going on anyway, because the rest of the class seems to be very well aware that there's some kind of issues going on in that relationship. Can you just imagine the gossip at Niata about about the group of them? Yeah, well, Kurt says gossip thing is the most um, is is what is the well, what does he say? It's the most active. It's the most. I forgot the line. I'm sorry. <laughs> he says something about that the gossip chain is really good at Niata. I think that's actually Blaine, because then he says if the gummy bear, if the gummy bears w- no, run no, out of I'm the vending machine. Bash, he says it to Rachel when Ra- after oh. Rachel, yeah. Oh, that's right. right. And it does come up again yeah, later it, on it when he's talking about um, June, and Blaine's like, yeah, but if the vending machine runs out of gummy bears, the gossip is. Okay. But you know, Kurt loves some good gossip. You know. Yes. So, so yeah. As my as as they say in Spanish, Kurt's a chismosa. I don't know what that means. 
it means he's a gossip. Gotcha. Yeah. I think Kurt, though, as much as he is a gossip, he would keep his private life private. And I think it's one of those things, like, remember in Dance with Somebody, when they started singing in public, and Blaine's all sassy, and, and everybody's like, what is going on? I feel like that's kind of the same thing. They're like, oh, you know, finally, something's going on. Oh. Yeah, I think, you know, Kurt, just a little advice, if you want to keep your private life private, maybe don't sword fight. Well. Aggressively. I mean, do the assignment, but, like, not so aggressively. You're not an Eagle Mentoya, and he did not kill your father. He, he's, he's channeling his inner Mr. Darcy and getting a hold of his feelings through jousting and fencing. The, I can control this. That's one way this. to do it. That's one way <laughs> to do it. And soon he'll jump into a lake. And, you know, his clothes will stick to him and all, everybody will swoon and it'll all be better. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we get um, the double date scene. We first start out with um, Sam and Mercedes at the cafe and they are, Sam wants to order Mercedes a really fancy dessert. And I like when, he, when he's like, do you have anything with like gold sparkles? And Kurt's like, no, this is really is not that fancy of a diner. <laughs> we do not. <laughs> we have cake. And ice. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, Probably gosh. some diner version of a pizuki. Yeah. <laughs> Just Kurt's like deadpan. We do not. <laughs> Just cracking up every time. <laughs> every time. Kurt's like, Kurt's like, I've had a day. I'm not in the mood for this shit. Today. Right. <laughs> you come into my diner, you're going to eat what I give you. <laughs> and I doubt that's the first time he's heard something like that, too. Oh, so. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Already comes in with Julie, and that's when we were talking about earlier, when he just is like, oh, by the way, sex. And she's like, this is a first, barely a first date. Why are you bringing up And he's like, I'm sorry, but just so you know, we can't have sex for like five to seven business dates. She's like, dude, we took two trains to get here. Like, what? I wasn't going to, but thanks for the heads up. Yeah, I, well, and then we get, um, there's that little bit with Kurt and Artie where uh, Kurt is, um, like, Artie's imagining him say all the STDs stuff. Yes. <laughs> Do you want a side of HPV? Oh, the pus on the, <laughs> yeah. Ruben's amazing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Gross. Oh. Um, Gross. Clap, 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 clap. <laughs> oh, my, oh. So they, they do this song. Uh, again, I forgot what the title of this song is. Let's wait a while. Let's wait a while. Yeah, the the funniest. Let's wait a while. I used this in one of my own fan fictions, but it was um, my um, reaction to um, Puppet Master. My Jake, mm. my Jake reaction to Puppet Master. One of his little, he was having Janet Jackson hallucinations. Mm. Ha. Um. I don't know if this is a hallucination because Julie's singing with them. Oh no! Actually, no, she that's is what I was so funny. Say. My favorite thing about her is she's like, "What the hell? <laughs> Why are these people singing?" Yeah, just and, we're, and we're standing in this little group together, right? I'm next I'm to them, and so he's singing at me, but Sam's looking over at me too. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> we having an orgy. We can't until ten days from now. What is going on? Yeah, it's so funny. Oh my god. 
<laughs> I like that little bit. Um, yeah, it was so much. I was like, you know, I always assume I have this like whole like idea of the musical numbers not kind of being in this place between reality and fantasy. Mm-hmm. Like maybe it's you know happening in someone's head because I've often daydreamed musical numbers. I'm not gonna lie, right. and even before Glee is the thing is that I've told my friends like, okay, I had this whole eleven day dream. We were singing uh, You're My Best Friend by Queen And then like you were doing this and, like I was doing that Like it was a whole thing I do this all the time So it's not like weird to me that someone would be like Doing a normal thing and then daydreaming this whole musical number But then they throw her into it And then I'm like wait a minute Where are, is this actually happening Because then that gets weird Right but when your external so world people... comes in Exactly And I'm like now I'm uncomfortable for Julie Right. Oh, I don't like this. Julia, She's like, this is the worst double date I've ever been on, ever. Julia, did you? Not mean, only did the guy start talking about sex right when I walk in, but then I'm going on a walk down the boardwalk, and they start singing about not having sex. What am I getting into? <laughs> and it wasn't supposed to be a double date, but now I'm on a date with him and his friends, which is awkward enough if it wasn't planned. Yes. And now we're singing the song about abstinence, even though he just uh, told me that I have to wait all these days. Seven to ten days. Seven to ten days. <laughs> Apparently including weekends. Man. Before. So, Julia, did you mean to send me a photo of the, like, it's just a picture. No. Of the <laughs> did it get sent to you? Yeah, it's okay. No, I'm just, I was like, oh, maybe she's sharing a photo for, oh, this is just, she accidentally hit a button. <laughs> I hit a button. I'm like, oh, what's that button do? I, I didn't think that it was going to send to you. Sorry about that. No, I just was very entertained for a minute. Um, anyway, uh, so we get this Mercedes and Sam scene where... Mercedes, you know, has thought it over, and she's like, you know what, I want to wait till marriage. And I love Sam's like, well, I don't know if I can get married in three weeks. <laughs> He's like, I mean, we don't have time to send out invitations, and <laughs> I've got gym class. But I love Sam was like, sure, let's get married, okay? I just need a little more time. Yeah. Exactly, um, and I. But I do also like that they made him a real like teenage guy. Who, like it was like, okay, I'm gonna need some time to think this over. Like, sex is something that I enjoy. I do need to see where my priorities are. To be fair to you, so. Yeah, yeah that was. I like that they did that instead of him saying yes and then realizing he couldn't do it, mm-hmm. or saying no right off the bat. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. All right, so now we get into the big. It's not really a fight scene, but it's a the big conflict climax of Kurt and Blaine's story here. Um, they come in, and I like that Kurt's talking on the phone to Rachel and like confirming their opening night. Um, just a little detail, like where where he's like, "Oh yeah, I'll ask Blaine and make sure Blaine's like on board," because like I'm guessing, yeah, if you're gonna confirm plans with one of them, you're confirming with the both of them. Right. So. Yeah. But anyway, we the, we get into this whole thing, and Kurt's just, as usual, confused about what's going on, and Blaine starts to go on about how the dynamic has changed between the two of them, and he's honest for the first time, and he's like, look, I'm afraid you don't need me anymore, and I don't know what that means, is kind of what it boils down to. 
And I feel like Kurt's yeah. response is, that doesn't matter. I still want you. And that's the important thing. Mm-hmm. Bam. And I also really like um, Kurt's statement of that he's not going to be a damsel in distress, which again refers back to Bash. But mm-hmm. it's his overall kind of character development of he, since moving from Lima, has refused to see himself as a victim. Yep. And so having somebody try to take a role of protector over him, be it Blaine or be it his dad, that's not going to be something that is going to sit with him now that he's in New York and he is independent and he is coming to find himself. And I, I love how that kind of continues throughout. I think that's kind of always been part of his character, too. I mean, yeah, like, he needed help with the Kolkorowski thing back in season two, but you know, he thought that he could handle that himself anyway, like Right. It's, it's always And when Blaine steps up, you know, and, you know, things get physical there, Kurt is also coming in as well. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not stepping back and allowing Blaine to um, act as his defender and, you know, his, his, um, I've lost the word that I wanted, but um, yeah, he, you know, he, even with um, Blaine there with him, he's also participating in the fight. Right. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah. And I, because I, even from the very first episode where he meets, meets Blaine, when Karofsky pushes Blaine into that fence, it's Kurt who pushes Karofsky away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. And I've always thought, like, this is the one scene I can kind of see where they're both coming from. Because Blaine just is lost. And, you know, he he's not sure who he is or what he's doing, especially now that he's gotten to New York. And this was supposed to be everything that he ever wanted. And he, it's not that way. And at the same time, Kurt just being aghast at, like, I don't understand, like, you're having all these insecurities, but I am still here for you. And I, and one of my favorite moments of this scene is when Kurt says, I'm always going to love you. I mean, yeah, it's a promise you really can't 100% make like that, but it's just the reassurance that, like, yeah, that this isn't a thing that, like, me not loving you is not even a thing I've ever really thought about. So I don't understand this conversation. Right, but in that moment, Kurt can make that promise because he just went for however long and tried not to love Blaine, and it didn't work. He couldn't mm-hmm. stop because he does still love him very much. And it's like he's saying, I'm always going to love you. Like, even when I tried not to, I, I couldn't because I love you that much. Oh, yeah. that's where he's. I'll even add in through the season six breakup. One of the things Kurt says is that I still like care about you. Essentially, I love you. I don't want to break that. You know, I don't want to ruin. And that's part of the reason he thinks that he needs to break up with Blaine um, because he doesn't want to ruin that. So, yeah. It, but I mean, but I at the same time I do understand Blaine that if you get to a point where you just dislike yourself so much. You know, you're always going to have that insecurity of, like, of whatnot. So, Blaine's problems, I think, are bigger than, yeah. you know, he's got a lot of issues with himself that Kurt can't necessarily fix for him. Blaine has got to, like, Kurt can be there for him as long as they're talking about it. But ultimately, Blaine has got to also figure out things himself. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I Blaine's think this was used the first to be... building block of it. Yep. 
and Blaine's really used to being needed. Like the Warblers needed him. He didn't really feel like he fit at McKinley in season three because they didn't need him. But then season four, he finds that group because they all need right. each other. So he's getting to a point where no one in New York needs him. No one in New York, no one in New York really cares about him. No one like that city loves nobody. You know it, what I mean? It's the same yeah. sort of transition and problems that he had at the beginning of season four you know when he was having insecurities with his relationship with kurt because he felt like he came to mckinley for kurt and now kurt is gone and now he's in new york and kurt has moved you know he feels like he's moved on and doesn't need him and so it's the same mirroring of of his overall kind of insecurities and perspective on things Um, yeah and it's not even that he necessarily needs kurt to like shrink down and I, that's one thing that a lot of people that were kind of like anti the relationship thought Blaine was saying that he needed Kurt to like shrink down and be the, a shrinking violet or whatever. But Kurt was never that. Mm-hmm. Not in season two when they met, Kurt was down when they met. But as we said, he was never not an active participant in everything. It was always it was always them together. However, Blaine's role in the relationship and Kurt's role in the relationship they've changed especially after Bash everything like so many things have changed at one time that when you don't know what your role is it's easy to think that okay I don't know where I fit now so obviously it's going to it's going to end and hear me out <laughs> what I'm going to say next I think one actual benefit from the season 6 breakup is that Blaine gets his worst fears realized and he realizes that he can still live and still you know carry on and move on and have a life and have goals and just kind of I mean yeah he is kind of still stuck in, in Lima in a way but like I, I do think that like sometimes you have to have your worst fear come to fruition yeah mm-hmm. in order to kind of move on from it that's why or realize that you can realize that you can pull yourself through it and you right. don't need somebody else to pull you through it which is why i believe exactly. when they get back together i'm not worried about blaine i i, I feel like he's gonna be fine I, I just yeah that's just my two cents on that moving forward aspect of it i guess um, the only other thing, the one part of the scene that I'm a little eh about is this whole idea that if two guys are in a relationship, they have to be in competition, or whatever Kurt says. I think that's just, I, I don't know. It's that's the. It's funny because Kurt and Kurt and gender roles have always been a conversation in fandom, and I think that by virtue of his environment. For Kurt to have been as fluid, and I'm not saying Kurt's gender fluid or gender queer or anything like that, but for Kurt to be as fluid as he is in his gender expression, he still, even from season one, is a product of his environment and still kind of buys into little bits of toxic masculinity. And you yes. can't, you know, you kind of can't help it, especially coming from, you know, the you know small town Ohio. And being, you know, and growing up with Bert as awesome as he was, and that kind of stuff. So, Kurt, for as fluid and, you know, fashion and no gender and being always being closer with the females, he still bought in 
little bits of toxic masculinity mm-hmm. that have that came into play a little bit here because that's not the case because two men can have you know don't have to compete at all physically or in any well, any way but is- I think it's just a product of you know those things that you just kind of can't escape in that type of environment. Well, and, and it comes back in, um, oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead, Julia. I was going to say, and it comes back again in season six, you know, that first episode when he's talking about how he's gone to his therapist and talked about, you know, how he has difficulty expressing things emotionally and, you know, men hold things back. He's still following a lot of those um, gender roles. And I think a lot of the therapy that he underwent was overcoming um, those prescribed beliefs that he had, that toxic uh, masculinity that Kay was referring to. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because Blaine is the one that actually brings up the whole idea of like being in a race and they're against each other. And Kurt is the one that says, you know, I would rather have, be running this race with you, which is a nice sentiment. But I also kind of wonder, just in the way, because Glee does this with all of their female-female relationships, if Glee has this, or the writers have this, like, thing about, is Ryan Murphy, like, always in competition with everyone else or something? Because I just feel like it's a theme that gets brought up often that I don't Oh my like gosh, this. I so wish I had written my meta about the Enneagram, because if that's the case, Ryan Murphy is a classic three on the Enneagram, and then they're just competitive with everyone all the time. But I feel like he probably is. You kind of, people in that kind of, you know, that get to the level that Ryan Murphy is at, like, I see it in, like, I, my new fan is RuPaul's Drag Race, so I'm talking about RuPaul, like, 24-7. But I see that in him, too, like, that competitive drive. I could totally see Ryan Murphy kind of seeing competition, even when there necessarily isn't any. Not to, like, psychoanalyze him. But I can definitely see it because it does come up. Well, I would so love to psychoanalyze Ryan. <laughs> oh my god, right? I would love to spend like a half of a day with him and just ask him random questions about oh, things. Yeah, absolutely. Because right. I want to know what mean girls. <laughs> we obviously do not think about things at all the same way, and oh, I yeah. love it. I love I wanna, that there's yeah differences there. I want to know what's going on inside his head. Have you guys watched Pose? Yes. Oh my god. I just, I can't. Like, people feel very strongly about Ray Murphy, especially after Glee, but I just think he is amazing. I want to pick his brain. Yes. <laughs> I, I just think he'd be a very person, interesting person. I want to know if he cheated on somebody or if somebody cheated on him, and I want to know what the mean girls in high school did to him. Um, right. because that's like his obsessions. Um, yes. but I also, I, I get the feeling that he's very much Rachel Berry. I mean, I know that he said that Kurt is very much him in some way, at least, at least Oh early, no, he's Rachel Berry. But he's Rachel Berry. Yeah. Anyway. Absolutely. Um, so anyway, I, I don't know. Was there anything else about this particular scene that you guys wanted to touch upon though? I know a lot of people felt like the expression on Kurt's face during the hug meant that, you know, they kind of saw it as, like, impending doom. I don't like, he didn't really feel like he... I'm gonna throw this out there. Like, this was solved. It, it, okay, so I'm gonna throw this out there. It wasn't, it's... 
left a little bit open. And, and my interpretation of it, and I'm, I'm drawing, I guess, from my own issues, is that when you... I'm guessing that Kurt has had to be there for Blaine emotionally quite a bit, especially since he's been to New York. And when you are constantly there for someone, and no matter how much you care for them, but when you are constantly somebody else's emotional support, you, it just kind of starts to weigh on you a little bit. And I saw it kind of as a, okay, we'll do this. We'll get through it. I still love you. I'm doing the best I can. This is a little overwhelming for me all the time, but, you know, we're going to keep going. I, I didn't see it as impending doom, I guess. I just saw it as a person who was like, all right, Blaine, we're going to keep going through this. I mean, yeah. Kurt, what, 20? Yeah. Like, yeah, come at on. most. Yeah, and like, honestly, I the best thing that came out of their breakup in season six is that they both got therapy. Yeah, because they you both know, needed I, it. Okay, but what I what I was saying is that when I first watched it, I was one who very much felt like Kurt felt overwhelmed with it, and watching it again last night, one, it was only a second, and two, I really got the sense more of this was both of them comforting each other. And I didn't really have that kind of sense anymore. Um, yeah. I think fandom read a lot into it and we've had lots of gifts made that have focused on those moments. And so we made it all seem like it was this very big moment when, when it plays on, on the screen, it really isn't anymore. Actually, I even think that in gift form, like, I don't, so there's a lot of, t I don't see it there either, really. I think it's just something that, like, people picked up for a half second and then ran with it, and, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I also feel like, yeah, at the time people were looking for cracks, and it's funny how, diff how much not having that in your ear when you're watching it, and you start to see new, you know, see things differently because you don't have the constant chatter and, you know, in your head when you're watching it. True. Bethany, you still there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. I just, you've been very quiet, and I just thought I'd... Um, I disagree. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I was, don't have anything to say. Just keep going. Okay. Okay, um, so we get kind of the scene with Artie and Julie where... He finally just spills everything about, you know, um, having chlamydia and then sleeping with two girls. And as Julia said earlier, and um, he was more, she is more upset the fact that he was like sleeping with multiple partners and not telling her than about the actual chlamydia. So, I think she really saw herself at that moment of just being another notch for him, and I don't that was her. not particularly. Uh, favorable to her. No, that makes total sense. Uh, plus all the weird, I mean, like, it, that weird date and the weird singing, and yeah, she's like, no, this isn't happening. Um, then we get the kind of wrap-up with Sam and Mercedes. I like when she comes in and she's like, Blaine's lit a whole bunch of candles again. <laughs> I love it. Because you could just imagine how many times she's come home to find some kind of romantic setup. That That's why I'm, I'm telling you my headcanon is that there are very hard and fast rules 
about <laughs> what Kurt and Blaine can and cannot do in her apartment. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> Um, but yeah, because then, I'm sure she's come home to find all kinds of different scenarios. I also have a headcanon that that meal that didn't get eaten on the date, I just imagine Sam and Mercedes coming home to find that and be like, sweet dinner. <laughs> probably, probably. Um, so yeah, um, I, and I like what's said here is that basically you know, she said she's thought it over and she needs to just, she, this is who she is. And he said, this is where he said that he prayed about it in the bathroom. Um, but he's, you know, he's ready to try and take the church. Yeah. Cause he couldn't find the church. Um, he's going to try and, and go along with her that, you know, this is means a lot to him. She means a lot to him. I like, I don't remember if it's the scene or the scene before that, but he says that he's never felt like this particular feeling with any of the other girls that he's dated. And that is very special to him. So. I can't believe they weren't freaking in game. Like, what the hell? I mean, in the script, they were. They're in game in my heart. Oh, they're in game in my heart and in my head and in the script. But in the actual aired version. Oh, I thought it was really implied that they were in the game, but. Now, in my reunion episode that I wrote that was a Beyonce tribute, it's their wedding. But, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, I think I read that. So, as far as I'm concerned, it's canon, but, you know. All right, so we get um, Mercedes and Rachel having a second conversation. And, again, I like that. You know, Mercedes again opens up about her stuff, about how she feels, and I. Then they touch upon Rachel and Finn a little bit, and I kind of like this checking in because nobody's really checked in with Rachel since the beginning of the season. So I do like that. Right. There's a little nod there to say, "Hey, I'm trying not to push, but I want to just make sure you're doing okay." And and Rachel's like, "Yeah." With regards to these two scenes, and it's something in season four. One of my biggest complaints was that whenever they were hanging out at the loft, we'd see Kurt dressed down, but Rachel and Santana were always in jeans, full faces of makeup, and, like, stiletto heels. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you're telling me two 18-year-olds, two 18-year-old college students are walking around in, like, a onesie or footy pajamas at all times? Mm. Because I'm calling bullshit. So what I like about this scene is that they're dressed down. Mm-hmm. They're genuinely two close friends hanging out. They're, you know, no makeup, hair pulled back, very relaxed. It feels very relaxed. And so you can tell that Rachel has relaxed more into being in New York, into being herself. She's not playing this, like, Carrie Bradshaw type of thing like she was doing in season four. You could even make the argument that she feels more relaxed with Mercedes. And That's maybe true. that she was yeah. doing all of that because she still felt in competition with Santana. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, she even mm-hmm. says, even with Kurt, it doesn't feel the same. I mean, like, she's like, I, it's been a long time. And I, I like that they go out of their way saying, you know what, it's nice to have a, a female friend in the city. And, mm-hmm. yeah. Exactly. Yep. And even there, even though I'm kind of a little eye-rolly at the whole, like, Finn and I were always together nonsense. 
Um, whatever. <laughs> it's it's a nice scene. It works for me. I like it. I think in my in my world or my head or whatever, those kind of things are more for Leah than anything else. Yeah. Well, and it's, you know, the nostalgia of things as well, that of course everything's going to work out in this hypothetical future that we're never going to get. Can you guys believe it's been five years? No. No. That's crazy. (laughs) Oh Oh my god. When that day came up, I was just like, how has it been five years already? I know. It doesn't even feel like three since the show's been off the air. I know. Because I definitely yeah. remember that night when I found out Corey passed away. So the fact Me that it's too. been five years since I was, oh my, my gosh. best friend so, was over. My so I was over. on we were vacation. Yeah. I was on vacation in Mexico when that happened. And so I didn't find out about it until like a day or so later. And only because my cousin called me and was like, hey, don't you watch Glee? And that's how I found out about it. It was oh. so surreal. Oh my god, I found out uh, my best friend was over. It was me, my sister, my best friend. We were just hanging out, like having some wine or whatever. And we usually would like play iTunes and stuff like that. So I went over to the computer to put some music on. And then while while the music was playing, I was like, oh, I'm just going to check my social media. And it was like the first thing I saw. And I thought it was a hoax. Yeah. So then I started like Googling and checking everything. And then I like, checked my Twitter for like the first time in forever. And I just remember feeling like I was going to throw up. Like, I was yeah. too shocked to cry. I actually didn't cry until I watched the quarterback. Because I was just shocked. I honestly thought I was going to vomit. Like, I cried. Believe it. Yeah. I bawled. I didn't. I was, I was just in a complete state of shock that I'm honestly. My sister was even kind of weirded out that I didn't cry because I am a crier. But it was just too much of a shock. I did not break. I did not actually cry until Leah sang in the quarterback. Then it was just, like, uncontrollable sobbing. Well, to bring spirits up a little bit, let's hit the <laughs> last scene of the, the episode. Um, is back in the ice cream shop in Serendipity. And, um, yeah, it's the guys talking again. And I like that Blaine's, like, playing with this weird, like, concoction of nonsense. And I like when Kurt says, like, this totally feels like a married moment when he's like, welcome to the beginning of Blaine's cleanse. (laughs) I feel you, Blaine. I feel you. It's kind of similar to those weird concoctions that Sue used to make the Cheerios drink. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. I almost wonder if that is what Sue used to make him drink as a Cheerio. Probably. Wouldn't be surprised. I just think it's funny that, like, this is all shot in New York and they forgot Kurt's wedding ring back in L.A. So they have to hide his hand the whole time. Oh, my God. I didn't even know that. Yeah, yeah. they lost oh, it. Oh, that was a huge thing. Oh, my God. So they lost it. And so they had to shoot both of the scenes. So if you look, you can tell he's not wearing his, his ring. And, and I'm glad we know that because I know some people are like, why is he not wearing his ring? And it's like because they right. freaking lost the prop. They literally they couldn't find it. And I'm like, oh my why don't God. you just go out and I don't buy know a that. silver ring, but whatever. You literally could go to any kiosk <laughs> that sells those cheap silver rings and buy one for like $15. Right. Uh-huh. Speaking of which, so I haven't been on Tumblr in a while because my new fandom is mostly on Twitter and on Reddit. And so I haven't really been on my Tumblr because the Tumblr version of the RuPaul's Drag Race fandom is horrific. So I checked my notifications today. And I see this post of mine from, like, when the season three promo came out. And it says, 
maybe if Glee didn't put characters that are supposed to be broke in $400 jeans, they could afford to hire someone who knows how to use Photoshop because it seems like they have someone's little brother doing it for free. <laughs> because when they tried to Photoshop Blaine out of that screenshot of, we, of um, we what you call it? Yeah, and you could see his feet. This is after Corey passed production value well like okay how do you put this like i still think costumes were on point i still think they were a lot of doing a lot of things really really like the scenes were lit really beautifully but things like the props it's not the first time they've forgotten the ring it's not a character thing like the fact that um naya punching darren in the face is actually in the episode in a nor like in a well-produced <laughs> A show that would have been edited out but I think that the production was either so quickly done or what that things like this were just getting seeping through because they didn't they weren't I, I just I hate to say it this way but they weren't fully into like producing the best piece of whatever they just wanted to kind of get through it and um, so I think that's why the, some of this stuff happened I didn't I mean you'd be surprised there there are other shows where, because I, I think the reason why I never thought Glee's editing faux pas were that big of a deal is because I noticed them a lot. Like, okay, so in the episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, um, where um, Willow finds out that Oz is a werewolf, she's wearing yellow overalls, and she's running through the woods, and she falls and trips, and she has mud all over her overalls, and then the next shot, her overalls are pristine and brand new again, and then the next shot, they're dirty again, and then the next shot, they're clean again. <laughs> so I'm like, <laughs> and I always notice these things in other shows. So I think that it's a combination of those two factors that sometimes these things just happen. And also they were kind of rushed. Yeah. And I think that's why I'm like, I don't get on them when like, oh, Kurt doesn't like seem particularly 100% happy in the scene. Well, maybe that they only did two takes and that was the better one of them. I, I just, I don't, you know, I don't get. Or they did 150 takes, takes and they've taken the last one and he's exhausted. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Who knows? Exactly. Yeah. You don't know. So I, I don't get like all of when we, you know, fandom has a tendency to stop and pause everything and just obsess over every little detail. And I feel like with Glee at this point, point it's like get the big picture stuff here like that's what's the important part of it so yeah and with any tv show if you stare at a gif of something you know it's slowed down and zoomed in and you're gonna see things that a normal viewer is just not gonna notice mm -hmm. so anyway back to the scene um well first we have um sam saying, saying that um you know he and mercedes are gonna wait and um, he says something about, like, you know, sex isn't the be-all and end-all, and that's when Blaine throws Kurt that look. <laughs> right, they're both like, well, maybe. I guess, if you say so. Or maybe not for you. <laughs> you're right. Maybe not for you. But you're not banging him, so... Um, and then we get, uh, I, I think one of my favorite comedic moments is when, like, Artie's like, I didn't think there would be a, a downside to being a film school player, but there apparently there is. And <laughs> Sam's like, herpes? And he's like, no. <laughs> it's Julie. And it was chlamydia. <laughs> he's lucky he did not catch the herpes. Because that right. does not go away. Oh, man. And then, of course, Sam's line of... You know that Sam ha is carrying a bottle of hand sanitizer with him at all times now with any of oh, his yeah. interactions with Artie. He probably makes Artie, Artie use hand sanitizer before he comes in the apartment. <laughs> and take his shoes off. Oh, probably, yeah. 
Um, Sam's line of, we should start an all-guy abstinent club. And I love that the reactions in the episode are different than the promo. I mean, there's two different, like, things. And, oh, I don't even remember the promo. What the, happened the promo? promo was, like, uh, well, the episode, it, Kurt says, are you high? And, uh-huh. like, blatant, you know, and, and the promo, Kurt was like, yeah, that's not happening. Um, oh. Yeah. I'll have to dig up the promo. But it's definitely yeah. two different reactions. But in the same, like, you've got to be kidding me, that's not going to happen. Right. So. Yeah, the their reactions are very much a hell to the no. <laughs> I'm not giving up sex. Sorry, buddy. Sorry. Oh, can we take a, a quick jump back and talk about Sam? What he thinks is better than sex? Horseback riding? <laughs> <laughs> and we're singing. Yeah, well, that's Aww. sweet, though. Aww. But... Um, but yeah, and then uh, we end the episode on playing drinking the whatever it is, and he's like, "Yeah, no Oscar is worth that." It's worth that. That's my favorite. <laughs> no Oscar is worth that. So, oh, and we forgot um, when Artie gets his like thing, his big gigantic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> his big gigantic what? What does Kurt say to him? Kurt says something oh. like, uh, "You're gonna bear like." That's a lot of nuts and. Oh my gosh, it's so funny. Your worry hole with your worry hole. (laughs) And you can tell Chris is breaking. Because, like, (laughs) who couldn't, who could actually say that line with a straight face? You can see them breaking. He almost did. You can see them, like, him and Darren both, like, take a little bit. Yeah, it's so funny. Oh, man. That's why I love this episode. This episode's great, guys. All right, anything I missed before I wrap it up? I wanted to say one thing, going back to Sam and Mercedes. um, I really, one of the things that I really liked about it was um, um, going back to this idea of Sam being willing to wait for Mercedes and still having this very close, intimate relationship with them. That that portion where um, he's saying something about or Kurt says something about you haven't had sex and it was you guys are sleeping together, you know, every night, but they're not actually having sex. And I think that's really a um, another thing where um, Glee may be doing a little bit of a PSA of, you know, your intimate relationships can look different to yourselves and to others. And that doesn't mean that that's necessarily wrong or bad. And so I just and really were, liked how that was um, completely pulled through the episode. Yeah, and they still kind of, you know, they made out. They were, I mean, they were handsy with each other. It's just that Mercedes told Sam to keep his hands above the waist. So, yeah. I mean, above I, the equator. And above the equator for a female is way different than above the equator for a dude. Mm-hmm. Right. It's true. You know, it's one of those things with toxic masculinity of, you know, this idea that men are only after one thing. And so, you know, women have to protect their virtue at all time. And, you know, when I was growing up and in a religious environment, that really reflected back to of you shouldn't be horizontal with men at all, you know, because they're going to get into your pants at all, at all. You know, and so this kind of reflection back of they are actually sleeping together, they're making out together, and they're still making this decision together that they're not going to have sex. And they have discussed this, and it's still going to be a fulfilling romantic relationship for both of them. And a lot of times on TV, when they do have a character that decides that they're not going to have sex, they make them out to be approved. So you never, yes. you don't see them making out. 
You know, yes. it's always very chaste kissing and hand-holding. And so you see that when Sadie's is not a prude, she very much is attracted to Sam. She very much wants to. And she's not saying that she doesn't want to and that she doesn't feel those things and that she doesn't feel aroused. It's just that she's making the decision to stop and leave it there. Yes. I also have to laugh at this idea of her being 20 years old and feeling like she is this completely inexperienced person and would have had a so much better um, experience had she had sex in high school when it was romantic. And I'm like, honey, that's not how high school romances are going either. So you have plenty of time to have this yeah. romance and have it be what you want it you to should, be. I think that's why Sam's too much time with Kurt Blaine. Love that. <laughs> but I think right? that's why Sam's um, line of his, when he says, you know, I've never felt like this before. He's had a ton of high school relationships and they haven't worked. And the fact that they, you know, he can be so experienced and say, you know, this feels like my first time too, because I've never yes. felt like this is important. Mm-hmm. I think it is. That's always been my headcanon, and it was a fic that I had prompted and never really got written, was the idea of when they do have their first time, whether that be their wedding night or sometime before, that Sam is the one who gets emotional. Aw, I can see that. And, like, Sam, like, calling Blaine and just being, like, a complete emotional wreck, and Blaine having, and meanwhile, Mercedes is, like, totally cool, totally chill about the whole thing, but Sam is just, like, you know, because the thing I've liked about Sam is a lot of times people have compared him to Finn and said that he's just another, like, you know, straight guy, savior character. But the thing I liked about Sam was that he kind of is the opposite of that in that all of the toxic masculinity that you got from a lot of the characters at McKinley, you had Sam who is this jock, he loves to work out, he's really into his body, but he's also very openly emotional, very openly affectionate. Yes. And, you know, and nev- and doesn't have any issue expressing that. I think what I really get out of this episode more than anything is that it has all of these different looks at intimacy and sexual relationships and gives you three very different, I mean, you've got Sam and Mercedes deciding that they want to go at their own pace, which may be, you know, finding other ways of intimacy. You've got Kurt and Blaine who are finally allowed to like discuss about intimacy in, in a sexual way or be sexual beings. I know that was a criticism, like in sex- season three, you couldn't really like, are they even a couple? They don't even, and here you've got them, you know, it is still subtle, but it's definitely an underlying theme of this episode. And then you've got Artie being a complete player and having consequences for being, a, you know, I don't think that, like, if you are somebody who has a lot of sexual partners, you should be, like, punished for that or anything. But the fact that he was being unsafe about it is what I'm getting at. Awesome. All right. Well, on that note, I think I'm going to wrap it up. It's been an amazing discussion on an amazing episode. Um, Join us next week when we're going to talk a lot about Rachel, which I'm sure you guys will all be interested in, but believe me, it'll be a fun time. So uh, join us next Sunday when we do, um, when we do opening night and I hope you guys have a great night. Got to in my life.
You make me feel so young. You make me feel like spring has sprung.